episode nine, 10. Wow, double digits, making progress. No disclaimers to speak of. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to my boy E. Faust, Eric Foster, episode four, I believe. Uh, he introduced me to Derek Wilner, who was episode nine last episode. And, you know, when we we just glanced over him. So I just wanted to give that guy a big shout out. He's uh, super sick. That's my homie. All you guys are my homies. Thank you. Uh, Ladera Ranch, let's go. so much the bubble within the bubble you know the drill it just had to be documented we're at a special place in time right now ladies and gentlemen we're going on 23 years strong rome lasted 500 plus how long can we go well hey we don't know but in the meantime we're gonna have some fun we're gonna get to know thy neighbor which is really what this show is all about my friends and since i started it two months ago it's only been two months i have talked to so many fantastic people i'm truly you know meeting people i have people on the streets that tell me hey i heard this person that person and people are they're not getting connected but it's just there's stoke out there and i love to see the stoke it it just it warms my heart heck i even live broadcasted from a little league game last uh toc i think it was saturday we won we spanked north mission viejo sorry north mission viejo but we spanked you 8-4, 8-4, that's a spanking. We didn't pull your pants down, but it was spanking over the pants, so we're sorry. Anyhow, I love my community. If you want to check that out, you go to my YouTube page. Tonight, I got a very special guest. It's kind of a round two. I had him in the hot seat before. Uh, actually, no hot seat. I had him in the seat before. This is Carl's Casita. There's no 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 stress in this zone, stress-free zone. And he was with the, with the Mr. Greg Sink, and it was an enlightening conversation, but you know what? There just there wasn't enough time, period. So I, I had to have him back. He's a pillar of the community, straight up. And, uh, you know, that's all. Mr. J. Rogers, 
How are you doing, my friend? It's an absolute pleasure to have you back. Excellent. It's great to be here. And uh, what a great song to lead us into what I think we're going to talk about today, which is a kid's sports. That was your call, that song. Here in the Dara Ranch, man, this is... Uh, for a family-oriented community, there are a lot of sports here. And uh, boys, girls, you name it, everybody's playing something, and it's wonderful to see. Uh, it's great to have young people out there staying active. And so, uh, obviously, my kids are a little older than yours. You know, one's yeah, so, college. Yeah, so hold on. Let's, uh, let's see. You have three kids? Three boys. Three boys. Okay, and your oldest? 21. 16 and 14. Okay. Yeah. The 14 year olds out there on the e-bike. Talk about that last time. You're 21 year olds at West Point. That's correct. Yeah. That's another. Oh, what, wrong button. Uh, sorry. That's another. Okay. Massive undertaking. And then your middle is at San Juan. San Juan Hills going into his junior yeah. year. Okay. And awesome. my youngest just graduated eighth grade. So he'll start at San Juan in the fall. Wow. Got freshman football coming up in about two weeks. I'll oh, start wow. With that. But right now he's in summer sevens rugby season. Oh, well, that's so, nice preparation for football. Yeah. Very nice. Has he has he done football before? Either Pop Warner oh, yeah. or Flag? Okay. Played Flag for six, seven years. He did Pop Warner a couple years ago with the uh, Santa Margarita Eagles. They went to the national championship down in Florida. Oh, wow. So uh, Did they win? Uh, I think they came. I think they did win. Yeah. studs nice that's uh yeah my son hasn't expressed interest yet but i'm like uh i don't know about the pop warner thing at like 10 or i don't know how old was your son when he started playing pop uh, warner? middle school so like 13 um, yeah 12, just 13. A, it's a personal thing just from the accumulation of my experience um i think it's better to hold off any kind of impact sports until kind of teenage years once their neck muscles are strong enough mm-hmm. and their brain is developed enough i think if you get too many wax in the head at a young age it can certainly interfere with your growth processes and yeah, you could say that synapses again. and everything in the brain get a little mixed up <laughs> yep yep true that so trying to think so okay so you wait till he was did he already have armpit hair like when he started playing you know uh, football I don't know. I don't check that stuff. Well, dude, I mean, you say you got to <laughs> wait till they're developed. So I'm thinking, yeah. okay, you know, wait till they maybe hit puberty or something before yeah, they start I'd that stuff. Right, right so, when they start puberty, they get the little growth spurt. Then, then yeah. you can kind of do that. See, stuff. I have one boy. So what was your youngest boy that like started? Like, how old was your? Which kid of yours started getting hair the youngest? Like armpit hair, that kind of stuff. Becoming a man. Wow, that's a real good. Um, I don't know. Probably my youngest. I think at around twelve to thirteen, he started okay. getting the. Pit hair and stuff going. So. Yeah, you got to talk about deodorant. I'm already talking to my 10 year old like about deodorant. I'll walk into his room, be like, yeah. "Woo!" And uh, you know, it's uh, it's classic. Well, my wife's got all my kids onto fancy colognes now. Ooh! So when they go to school and everything else, they're they got to sp- put a spray on and go out, and make sure they're smelling good for the young ladies. So are they are they dating? Do they have girlfriends? Are they? Oh, my middle one. Yeah, he's okay. He's got a steady girlfriend. They're in love, and everything's wonderful. I think about a year. Nice. Um, they were just friends for three months, kind okay. of exclusively. And then officially they became boyfriend, girlfriend after about 90 days. Oh, that's fun. But yeah, I look uh, forward to that. Do you do you like her? Oh, she's a wonderful girl. She lives here in the Dara. She's local. Okay. Um, she's actually a year older than him, so she's going to be mm. a senior this year. He's going to be a junior. But uh, really nice girl. Uh, like her, her mom. You know, they spend a lot of time doing different things, but it's it's a good, healthy 
relationship. Is she going to go to school, you think? Or where does she want to go to college? Yeah, I don't, she hasn't applied anywhere yet, but she mentioned a couple that she's interested in. Yeah, so. yeah my, my guest last week, Derek Wilner, shout out Derek. Uh, he was, you know, he's a recruiter and he was saying basically like we were the last great generation in terms of college to where we could, uh, you know, go to college kind of majoring in communications or English or whatever, get out of college and then be okay and find a job. But he's saying now it's like super specialized oh, yeah. and it's pointless to go to college if you're going to major in something very broad because you're just going to get out and have, you know, student debt or a lot of times. I mean, I had yeah. student loans, financial aid. Um, I think we all did. But, uh, you know, it was a really good point. I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. So for you to, for me to hear you say that, I'm like, oh, smart, smart girl. Because, you know, five years or 10 years ago before I had kids or when my son was just born, I probably would have been like, yeah, he's going to college no matter what. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah. or that was my parents' attitude with me. You're like, you're going just to get like, to show a, a degree shows you can, you have critical thinking and you could persevere. And, you know, a degree does obviously show a level of uh, aptitude. But, Shows you can complete something. Yeah. <laughs> Boom shakalaka. So, yeah, but nowadays it's... Um, it's competitive. Everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, just getting into college is super competitive. And it's up like 600% in terms of cost and things like oh, that. Oh, the cost is ridiculous. It's, yeah. It's been more than double inflation for 10 or 15 years. So, West Point, so your son, they, they pay for all that, I'm assuming then, right? Is he a member of the military? Yes. So... Uh, when you enter West Point, you basically take your oath on that day, and you are in the army. Um, they pay you a couple hundred bucks a month, but um, shakalaka. Yeah, you're not going to get rich <laughs> by um, Bitcoin. No, and Dad still has to pay for his flights home because it doesn't quite Boom, cover. All. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. But, uh, you know, he started to accumulate his military service. You know, and mm-hmm. it, how many years does he? Is he's it? got four years, or it's does it thirty? Is a specific. It's like thirty nine months that he's actually at West Point, and okay. then when he graduates, he owes them another five years. Immediate officer, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You go in as a second lieutenant, and you are deployed into the field, and you do, you know, based on your major. So the interesting thing about West Point is it's a pure meritocracy. Getting in, it's different because they have to have so many of this and that and the other thing, and it's very affirmative. You're talking about demographics. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. Okay. But once you're in. It's all about uh, pure meritocracy. So you're graded on obviously your grades, but also your leadership ability, your military skills, and then your athletics. And oh, so really? Based on four different things. What athletics does he play? Or is it just like they have like PE classes and they make you do stuff? It's not PE classes, but they have like physical training, training stuff physical you have training. to do. And then he does what they call Sandhurst, which is a military competition from all around the world. Different militaries and countries and schools send their teams together to compete every year. Nice. What they call the Sandhurst competition. And it's a, a bunch of different things. It's running and... Like an Iron Man on crack. Yeah, but it's military skill stuff. So it's like okay. orienteering with a map and compass and figuring oh, that's some stuff rad. out. And doing land navigation in addition to... you know some I've never seen it, um, to be honest. So I can't really speak that intelligently about it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty intense, but... There's about 1,200 kids in his class, mm-hmm. and uh, based on those rankings, when you graduate, if you're number one in your class, you have your first choice of both duty station and um, your MOS or whatever they call your whatever job you're going to do. One out of 1,400? Yeah, 1,200. 12, Dang. 
And then if you're number 1,200 in the class, Uh-oh. you get whatever they give you. <laughs> so my son knows it's like I got to be competitive. So he's like in the top 20% and fighting to stay there. And I know this last semester he had one of his best academic year semesters. So he was him. happy. He jumped up like I don't know, 150 points or something. Oh, that's so you can constantly see it. It's like a running yeah. tally. Yeah. Oh, that's gnarly. Yeah. That's fun. That's pretty so, cool. So based on that, you depending on what your major is, then in the senior year, they have what's called branch night. And there's 12 different branches within the military. You can choose from aviation to uh, infantry to... Or within the Army, you're saying? Within the Army, Okay, yeah. okay. There's like 12 different branches uh-huh. within there. Intelligence and all these different things. So you choose which oh, branch Intelligence is to. the way to go. And then uh, based on that, it somewhat dictates what duty stations are available because mm-hmm. there's certain units at certain bases. Ah. So you have to kind of... Actually, what's in Hawaii? They got any intelligence Schofield in Hawaii? Base. There we go. Schofield oh, yeah, it's Pearl Hawaii. Harbor, right? It's Schofield Base? Uh, Pearl Pearl right, but kind of by there. Okay, but isn't... I want to say Schofield Base, it rings a bell. Schofield is an is a Army base. Okay, yeah, okay. On Oahu. And then there's also Marine Corps Base there in Kanahoe Bay. Okay, wow. On Oahu. Because wow. I know when I was young, my one of my best friends from high school was in, he joined the Marine Corps open contract they put him as a cook and they sent him out to hawaii and he was up at 3 30 in the morning cooking for thousands of people on base but he enjoyed it he did it for a while and got out and did his thing but i went to visit him while he was out there so it was fun yeah that's nice hawaii is uh unbeatable definitely somewhere i would i would remember i think i told you last time i went out there um or said on the show before you know, I was thinking like, gosh, if I'd never family right now, I'd be going into like every car dealership I could, seeing if they need a sales guy or yeah. you know, hotel. But there's just not much um, industry out and there. And it's a lifestyle. And they're three hours behind. And it's a weird Six lifestyle. My wife guys. actually lived in Hawaii for three years um, during one of her rotations. She's in the hospitality business. And okay. The hotel company she worked for had a location out there. It's since changed hands, but it was on the Big Island of Hawaii. So she lived out there, and she would like have to fly over to the mainland to go shopping and stuff because no it, way. it was like the it was like the early late 80s early 90s that she was out there uh, and it was like but she says you know we're still the howlies yeah always always that's a great word the howlies always no matter what if you're you know a caucasian living in hawaii you're always going to be a howlie yeah just like if you're a caucasian living in mexico you're always going to be a gringo Yep. It's the it's the same thing, not to mean that they don't they won't like befriend you and, and be nice to you, but but you're not maybe in Hawaii they might not have befriend you and be nice to you. You know, Mexico yeah. they will. But yeah, you're right. You're always gonna be the Howley or the gringo or the outsider. All right, man. So three boys. That's uh yeah, that's that's quite the feat. Yeah. And then the youngest uh going to high school or he's yes, so a freshman, freshman in high school in the fall. Yeah, that's exciting. That's very exciting. All right, let's see. I got life pro tip number one here somewhere. Okay. It says, if you have a pet, if you, oh, sorry, if you have to put your pet down, stay with them. It will be hard, but they've been there for you their whole life. Don't let them spend the last minutes looking for you. Yeah, we did that a few years ago. Yeah, but went down a few years ago. It was tough. We've uh, had her for a while and. She got really bad diabetes. She went blind. She what kind of dog? Walk. It was a combination uh, lab and coonhound. Mm, nice. I love labs. So it was a playful dog. How she much did great. she weigh? 
Well, she weighed around 70 pounds. Perfect, yeah. But, like, when she was at yeah. the end, she was down to, like, 48, 49 pounds. She was getting real skinny. You could see all of her ribs. Mm-hmm. And she could barely see How old was walk. she? She's probably 10, 11 years old. Nice, nice. But, uh, yeah, my wife wanted to hold on. I'm like, look, it's just. Yeah, you know. Her. Yeah. She's suffering. Like, let's put her out of her misery. It's just, it's not the right thing to do. And yeah, 100%. Like a couple of days later, she's like, yeah, you're right. Let's do it. So, yeah, they've spent their whole life with you and. It's yeah, it's that's that that was a good call. I remember when I did it, my dog, I think it was 13 and a half. He's half German Shepherd, half black lab, weighed about 90. And it was like the dog of it's my once in a lifetime dog. Not to say I won't ever have another great dog, but that dog was just so in tune with me, understood English, and he went everywhere with me. Walk him off like the most perfect dog ever and that's because i got him when i was 20 i wanted a guitar for my birthday kelsey my wife you know we're high school sweethearts so i came home from a surf trip in costa rica and there's this puppy locked in my bedroom i'm like what the f like what's this <laughs> what is this like guitar. guitar guitar g-u-i-t-a-r not yeah. p-u-p-p-y and uh she's like oh is he so cute like blah, blah. and i'm like no like and basically i'm like it was a weekend i wanted to take him back you know i'm like we're gonna take him back in two days yeah da da and like you know i just yeah, I poured my heart and soul into that dog and became like my best friend. So anyways, long story short, when we put him down, I remember, you know, being in there with the vet. And like you said, you knew it was time, you know, they're, they're like literally crapping on themselves. Like he used to be a car rider, like no, like love the car, could go hours in the car, you know, and like he would like have little poops in there. You could just tell, like, I didn't even like, I didn't even want to mention it to him because like he understood English, but he just looked so ashamed of himself. And they're like people like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like looking at him like, dude. And uh, I remember when I put him down, I was like in there and then, you know, they gave him the shot or whatever. And uh, I'm looking at him and he closed his eyes. And I remember the vet saying like, oh, like that's really special. Like they don't always do that. Or she said before she put him down, she said, be aware that not all, sometimes they might pass and their eyes will be open. It's pretty like common. So just don't be alarmed, blah, blah, blah. But I remember he was like looking at me and he closed his eyes and then that was that. And they just freaking... It's it. nice to do it that way. That's nice and peaceful. Yeah. You know, you're there. Yeah. Cried like a baby. Oof, it's a tough one. But yeah, it was. Uh, so I agree with that pro tip, man. You got to you gotta love your dogs. Yeah. You can kick your cats to the curb, but you got to yeah, love I'm your dogs. Yeah, I'm not a cat guy. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah, what's a, a litter box? What the hell is that all about? The, the, their fur gets everywhere. Oh, that too, you yeah. Go visit somebody. And you like, can smell it like instantly. But then the, you, you go to leave and you're like, all over your legs or your pants. Or oh, something. yeah. You sit on the and chair the and away. get up, and then there's, like, cat hair all over you. It's like, oh, man. This is... Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're very uh, selfish animals, I feel like, too. Yeah. Yeah, they're not, not man's best friend, that's for sure. All right, next one. Are you creative? Not really. Okay. This one says, don't stop creating. That's it. And I agree with that. I mean, I'm... I wouldn't consider myself creative. Like, I suck at drawing. I have horrible handwriting, but I'm creative in the sense that I like photography. Um, You know, I like messing around with design on computer a little bit. Like, if I have to design something for my business or something, I will. Um, Podcasting, I guess you could say, is somewhat creative. So, I like that. You know, no matter, you should always, like, have something you can focus your time on, I guess, when you're bored. What do you focus your time on when you're bored? If I have any creativity, it's around business deals. There we go. Okay, what type so, of well, work are you involved in? Uh, I manage investments. 
Okay. I've been doing that for you know, 25 years. Or like years. pensions or hedge funds? Uh, or? I, I used to run a hedge fund, uh, ran a private equity firm, did a couple other things over the years. But right now I just work for a wealthy investor and I handle all of his different deals around the world. Like a single investor? Yeah. And is he invested in real estate or diversified? Diversified. Wow. Nice. Nice. So even over the years, like what I look at is I always try to see the other side of the deal. And so I've always been pretty good at coming at it to look at my own selfish interests, but then looking at the other side of the deal with what that person's going to want and try to come up with something that's a good compromise in between that's going to work for both parties. You know, so that's kind of what I've always kind of strive for. As a you way. anticipate it before the fact is what yeah. you're saying. And try to nice. come up with a win-win scenario so yeah. that way there you're not in a tug of war with somebody, especially oh. if it's going to be a long-term business partner. You know, you want to make sure you're involved with people that you want to do business with, first of all, but that the terms are amenable on both sides. Sure. That's great advice. So the types of deals you do seem like they're very large. What's the number of times that you have to go back and forth like that at the negotiating table? You might say on average. <laughs> uh, usually, in general, things always take longer than you expect. But if you come out of the gates, like you said, but then you that's also a huge have bonus. To, you also have to be willing to walk away. Oh. And Boom shakalaka! So one of the things they say in my business is sometimes the best deal you do is the one you didn't do. <laughs> Boom shakalaka! <laughs> because, you know, if, you know, like a few years ago, we were looking at buying a portfolio of uh, medical office buildings okay. down in Austin, Texas. Ooh, and okay. like the properties, like the segment, um, if you know anything about the city of Austin, like downtown is downtown. Mm-hmm. Good restaurants, clubs, hotels. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, South by Southwest a couple of times. But if you go on the kind of outer circle of the city, as as the farther you go out, there's a lot of infrastructure that still needs to get built in Central Texas. Really? And so that's kind of our investment thesis is we're looking to build the infrastructure around Central Texas. So kind of Dallas on the north, San Antonio on the south, and Houston on the other south. And in that big triangle there, there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth, a lot of corporations are moving there, a lot yep. of people are moving there. Um, but the infrastructure is not quite in place. And so there's opportunities in, in you know, we have industrial, multifamily. You so know, you're talking more things. more than just speculating and buying the land. You're talking about securing the land and then building upon it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. But we were looking at a portfolio and we did our internal underwriting and came up with a number what we thought it was worth. I think it was like 65 million mm. and we started offering 58 <laughs> <laughs> Boom shakalaka! and then slowly went up and then knew where we were going to stop and then we got into a kind of a bidding war with a reit and they've just got unlimited public money so when it hit that certain point we walked like just i can't compete with that it doesn't make sense for us so REITs, they, the idea of a REIT for anyone out there that doesn't know REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, it really in, intrigues me because essentially it's like an ETF in a way, I kind of want to say, but it's not like public money, it's private money, or are there public REITs? I don't know. There are public REITs. Okay. A lot of them. Um, okay. Essentially, it trades in the stock market under its own ticker symbol, mm-hmm. and it raises money from the people who buy those shares, and it trades in the public uh, based on news and everything else. Um, but the, the unique thing with REITs is that 90% of all the income has to be distributed to the shareholders. So they all pay big dividends. 
So there's a tax break that they get to being in a REIT structure. So as the corporation, they don't pay taxes. But in exchange for not paying taxes, they have to distribute 90% of all income out to the shareholders. Damn, but the REIT manager is getting 10%? Oh, yeah. That's a hell of a commission. Or I guess, yeah, because there's not it's much overhead in that business, it's a right? Fee, but you know, because it's publicly traded, you have you know quarterly accounting, you have Sarbanes Oxley, you have all the other uh, requirements to be publicly traded. And so I don't know what Sarbanes Oxley is. But. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, I'm not. Yeah, I get you. But um, okay, I get you. Any so there's CPAs a lot of regulations, a ton of regulations. Being uh, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. Wow, man, that's super interesting. So, but I thought REITs you were locked in, like, or not locked in, but I didn't think you could be liquid like that. Not, it's not as you easy can. as selling a stock. Okay. Well, there's also this public and private REITs. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So okay. there's private REITs where you invest and your kind of money stuck for a while until somebody's willing mm-hmm. to take you out. Then there's publicly traded REITs, you know, and then there's publicly traded REITs around certain asset classes. So gotcha. like, um, is it equity office properties, which is all commercial buildings? So there's a REIT that's just about that. Like I own some REITs in my portfolio. I own a REIT that's focused on data centers. I have a REIT that's focused on self-storage. I was going to say storage is popping in my head. Like You know, there's a cold storage REIT. There's a bunch nice. of different things that are just the, that segment of a property type in those properties. Yeah, I like real, I think real estate. I mean, I like it the most. If I had, you know, a lot of money, I would definitely look to real estate. First and foremost, if you're long term, you know, because I feel like you hardly ever lose. Well, I, I always recommend to everybody, you always got to be long term. You know, if not, you're a trader. <laughs> yeah. And if you yeah. want to trade, investor or trader, you know, it's, uh, you're going to get whipsawed back and forth. And as you know, the markets are unpredictable. And a lot of times it's weird. A company will come out with earnings and they beat expectations. Yeah. But then in the conference call, they like, well, but, you know, depending. What happens in the future? We're uncertain on this. And all of a sudden, the next day, the stock is down 5%. Because like, well, they didn't hype up the next couple quarters. They said it may not go as well. It's like, but they just delivered great results. But yeah. it's like, but that's disappointing because they didn't hype up the next quarter. So it's. That's so gnarly that, 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 you know, words. You're talking about sentence. A couple sentences could have changed that. But then you also have dozens of analysts that follow that company that their whole job is to do a write-up and interpret what the CFO or the CEO says about the future and give that an upgrade or a downgrade. Or... Do you, okay. So do you really feel like those are leg- like, how often are those analysts, right? Like, you know, upgrade, downgrade or hold or some are better than others, but almost all of them, if you really look at their track records, the good news is baked in by the time they raise the expectations, like, you know, Tesla, all of a sudden, like in the last week or so, there's been some announcements that like they're now the universal charger for every other company. Yeah, I heard to be using that them. they're going to pay for their. So charging, all of a sudden, yeah. now the analysts are like, "Oh, we're going to upgrade it." Well, well no shit, Sherlock. It's like, <laughs> yeah, know, I could have told you that. You one. know, it's like it's kind of you know common sense. Or like the cruise lines. The cruise lines just came out and said they're doing like record. Yeah, you know, profits. So like a well, lot of those have been upgraded, and but that's they're coming off of off of COVID, COVID where it yeah. was dead for three years. Dude, literal cliff. You look at some of their charts, and it's like, um, well, we yeah, we we took advantage of that last year for spring break in twenty two. Um, we went on we went on a cruise for spring break because the nice. cruise lines were dying to get people on there. So I paid for, I don't know, for the cost of a regular room, they upgraded me to a suite with our own private butler and our own back of the boat. 
I love it that. It was nice. And then, but unfortunately, my wife is like, oh, I'm spoiled now, Jay. I can never go back. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, okay. Well, it's good for now. Um, but, you know, I, I can only do a cruise every few years. You know, you can't do it that much. Yeah, I've only done a couple. I, now that I have kids, especially young kids, like the idea appeals more and more to me. But I was always, maybe because of my years, you know, working um, for the surf magazine as a photographer, I, I don't like the idea of being like stuck on a ship. I like, yeah. I like having the freedom. If I really like a, a locale or a place that I could say, Hey, I'm going to stay two extra days here. or I'm going to stay, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And that always kind of helped me back with cruising. But like I said, now I'm getting older and it's like all the meals are paid or, you know, it's so yeah. easy. It's so easy. And it's so mellow and the ships are stunning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where did you guys go? We just did Bahamas for like okay. four or five days. It was nice. Yeah, I love I love Baja. Have you ever driven down there and hung out? No, the Bahamas. Oh, Bahamas! I thought yeah. you said Bahamex. No, oh, no. Bahamas. Bahamas. Yeah, nice. we flew to Miami and, and took a cruise out of there. Nice, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, I need to go on a vacation, man. Hopefully, I get something going for for summer. We got all these baseball schedules and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Too much. Summer goes by real quick. Yeah, it does. It really yeah. does. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy how time, like I never really understood that saying time flies, time flies until I had kids because I look at them and it was, they were three years old yesterday and now they're, I don't know. Time is a perspective thing. So when you're 50 years old, one year is one fiftieth of your life. When you're five years old, one year is 20% of your life. And so for kids, a whole year, like I got to wait a whole year. Yeah. Like, that's like forever. You know, but when, for us, when you're 50 years old, it. it's like it's fractions. <laughs> years gonna go by, no it's problem. Fractional. You know, I love that. That's great. Or I look at it like maybe this is a grimmer point of view, but I'm like, I'm turning 40 July 30th. I'm like, oh, half my life's over. Knock on wood. Wow. <laughs> but is that like advances too, and everything? Yeah, else. I know, right? Like pushing. I think average is what 82, 83 now. Yeah, I think I read that. I think I 82. I think it is. Um, but yeah, time is a is a. I like that time is perspective. I totally, I feel young. I feel extremely young at heart. So, you know, I'm, we're good there. We're good there. All right. So I got some sports related today. I learned cause I know we're going to be talking a little bit about youth sports in a second coming up here. So are you a soccer guy? No. Yeah. Me neither. But this one's pretty interesting cause I know how much those guys get paid and too much, too much. Yeah. Especially like overseas. Um, but like, you know how we have the whole MLS here now? Yeah. Uh, major league soccer so there's i want to say there's a good hand at least 20 plus clubs i want to say at least. yeah they've been expanding we because i uh during the course of my career where i worked on several transactions with professional sports and i know i was i was talking to the league probably about 10 years ago and they're really like aggressively trying to grow soccer transactions like buying sports teams nice is that a lucrative business or yeah Okay, well, here, let me read you this stat. Okay, the, well, I'm going to read you both these stats then. And the then, TV rights and everything else really adds up. Okay, beautiful. So you see, I didn't even hear the perfect guy to discuss these. But so let me read you this. Bienvenidos a Miami. Lionel, Lionel, Lionel Messi. Lionel yeah. Messi. You know who that is. Re, re, He's the big stud out of Europe. Him and one other guy that are uh, Leah, uh Ronaldo. Ronaldo, yeah. Ronaldo yeah. or Messi are the two, like, uh, top guys out of the <laughs> European... Boom, Look at us Americans yeah. just owning this soccer talk. Okay, so Lionel Messi's reported move from Paris Saint Germain to Inter Miami uh, Football Club 
of the MLS is already having wide-ranging consequences, including hiking ticket prices to his first game on July 21st by 1,034%. (laughs) (laughs) But the biggest long-term effect might be to help MLS level up in popularity among American fans. Messi won't be the first foreign superstar tasked with that goal. However, I found that more than half of modern soccer's 500 goal scorers were lured to play in the U.S. at some point in their careers. And like Messi, those players were mostly done by the time they came stateside. By one measure, the average number of that club had played 88% of all high-level games that they would ever play before setting foot on an American pitch for the first time. ESPN. Well... So we get the we get the freaking hasmans, yeah. But this is related to you know who was one of the owners of that team? No, Inter Miami. No, David Beckham. Oh, really? Oh, sh- there's another guy that came from European football here. Yeah, he was like the originator. Us. I think he might have been the yeah. first like one ever. Superstar. He invested 25 million into Inter Miami a number of years ago, and now his stake is worth you know the team's gonna be worth close to a billion dollars. Inter Miami is worth a billion dollars. Yeah. Now that Messi's, now that he's here, yeah. What's the cheapest baseball franchise? It would be one of the double A leagues. I mean, like uh, MLB. What's like the cheapest MLB franchise, you'd say? Who's got the worst record in the worst market? <laughs> I mean, but is it a billion dollars or more than a billion? Uh, probably less. So you can buy a baseball team, a shitty baseball team, for before you can buy probably f- Inner Miami. Million. Wow. Soccer? The most expensive Soccer? U.S. franchise for sports is the Dallas Cowboys. I could see that. I could and see the that. And Patriots are number two. I know. Look at you. You're a Patriot, huh, dude? I, I like from it. Boston, man. Belichick, man. They're never. He's huh? It's a respect thing. Like, what do you think, man? Are they? Oh, that's a tough. But one. it's a Robert Kraft thing too. Yeah. You know, he put the pieces in place. He bought it for. I forget what he bought it for, but it wasn't much. It was a long time ago, and now it's several billion but you got to put the time and effort in and you got to pay all your players you got to pay all your coaches you know it's so there's a salary cap but you, that doesn't mean you have to hit it oh no you you get penalized above it if you no i mean let's say the salary cap is i don't know what's oh no salary. you can go under oh yeah yeah and that's what the owner yeah. that doesn't care about his team or whatever but how did robert Kraft? so robert Kraft must have bought it for cheap and came out the gate spending big bucks uh i think he just it's a cultural thing there more so than anything else. I think, especially with Bill Belichick, he plays chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Yeah, no, you know? for and, sure. He's amazing. And He's amazing. A, a, I guess the question is, if you're buying a pro sports franchise, do you do what Robert Kraft did, buy a shitty one and try to turn it around, or do you buy like a studly one and just keep it well, badass? That's what Ryan Reynolds did. The Mint Mobile they bought actor. The, they bought the Reckham as a... Um, they bought a European soccer club, him and a buddy. Oh, snap. And then they did a, a TV series about it, and they just won their league, and now they're worth you know multiples of what he paid for it. Wow. Takes money to make money, huh? It really does. Yeah. I mean, shoot, the interest alone right now, you could do nothing. Do nothing. $4 million right now, putting it in like in Robinhood. I saw an ad like 4.65%. $4 million in Robinhood will pay you out 160, 180 plus a year for sitting on your ass. No risk. Absolutely no risk involved in that. Yeah, let's see. Interest is a mofo. 1998, he founded the Kraft Group, which is a holding company for a wide range of companies. Mac and cheese, baby. <laughs> no, it's not Kraft. It's not Kraft. Robert Kraft is not Kraft. No. Really? I'm mind blown right now. Really? 
Let's see. He got a bachelor's at Columbia, an MBA from Harvard. He's not Kraft he Foods? Work around, right? No, uh, Gillette. Oh, wow. Um, his first sports-related venture was the Boston Lobsters, <laughs> a team in the World Team Tennis League. He bought it with several partners in 75, but folded in 90, 78 uh-huh. when the original thing disbanded. And then he, uh, in 1985, he leased with an option to buy a large tract of land in suburban Foxboro, Massachusetts. Um, together with a partner, he bought out and purchased the stadium. Then he acquired the team in 94, and he paid $172 million, the highest price for an NFL team up to that point. Mm. So he came in with deep pockets. Well, yeah. You, you, that's a game... It's kind of like yachts, you know. You don't get into that with pocket change. You got to go in. Boom shakalaka. Yeah. Um, Did you see the HBO special Showtime about the Lakers? Like Jerry West, the first year he bought it, because they 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 won the title the first year he bought the Lakers. That was good for him. With Magic, that's when they drafted Magic. I want to say. Could be. It's a good good series. HBO Showtime. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. So wait, did your uh, did your did you buy the sports here? You were just helping them, like structure. Yeah, the deal, I was. I was in consulting or something. Yeah, yeah work on some things. So I did. I worked on. Uh, preliminarily, we were looking at doing something in basketball, but that never quite materialized. Um, I shopped around a couple hockey teams, and then I was engaged for a couple football franchise moves. Wow, but none. It was just not the right. Uh, like you said you got to be willing to walk away. No matter outbid. how sexy it sounds. Oh, you got outbid. Um, okay. Yeah. But still, yeah, you could have countered. Nice. That's fun, dude. That's really fun. So did you go to school to study all that? Or how did you no. like fall into investing? I, that's, I, I, was, I feel that's one thing that if you... It's like... Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how to like structure this. But you can... No, I don't know. It takes a lot of common sense to follow the market, and it's like you can't be reactionary. I feel like so. I feel like investing is one thing that you really, really, really have to have. Like, like uh, there's no giving a little breaking this rule. It's like you have set rules, established no, things. I wouldn't agree with that. No, okay. I mean, I didn't study business no. undergrad. I think I told you last time I studied criminal justice. That's right. Yeah, I was going to be a lawyer. Yeah, you know. Um, but that just that gave me a different perspective on things. Then I picked up a couple other. Uh, I did some graduate work in a completely different field, and then did some other stuff through work in seminars and different companies. I got different accreditations and stuff mm-hmm. through. So I've learned over the years. But I think one of the best learners is just time, just being in the game for so long, yeah, and seeing so many things. Um good deals, bad deals, how they're structured. You take a little piece of everything away. But, you know, nowadays, what do I do? You know, I I keep track of current events, and you have to keep track of politics. Mm -hmm. And why is that important? And it goes back to a sports analogy that I I speak at a lot of conferences. This is one I always use. Um, But I get my investment philosophy from Wayne Gretzky. When I asked him why he's the greatest that ever played the game, he would say, I skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it's at. Boom shakalaka! And he did, dude. So when I look at Assist the investment master world, as well. I look at 
where are we at today, June 2023? Mm-hmm. What do I see happening in the next six months, nine months, 12 months, two years, three years? What are the trends that we see going? Where's the economy going? Oh. Where are interest rates going? Woo! Where are jobs going? You think they're going to pause on the hike next week? I don't know. I don't make those prognostications. You know, because the one thing I've learned in 25 years of doing this, they're all wrong. Yeah. Every major firm has all these super high-priced economists that try to predict stuff. And then all the numbers get revised backwards. Hmm. So they'll see government report. We're like, oh, we're now going to, we're revising our fourth quarter 22 uh, interest rate expectations or to, you know, interest rate to this. It's like, well, that's six months later. That doesn't mean no good. Yeah. You know, whatever they say is... It's so irrelevant because they like to hear themselves talk and they go to all these smart Ivy League institutions like to use all the big words of uh, this. Well, but based on this. But they do that. Don't they risk of somebody like you and your investors pulling out millions of dollars of stock? And No, because they every firm has somebody like that. Their chief economist. Uh, They all give their product, you know. But don't they have investor relations too where they'll come on to their big investors and say, hey, you know, I know we didn't perform this quarter. Please don't pull your 400 million shares of, yeah, well, you know. That's a whole different world. Amazon. Investor relations game where they get basically cheerleaders to go out yeah. and make everybody feel good. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, so that's how I wish. Well, but our index was down 12 and we were only down nine. Yeah. It's like, okay, but you still lost 9%. You know, I'm, I'm paying you point and a half two points to not lose money you know it's funny so my one of my colleagues one of my uh buddies that was with me for a number of years he's my cfo he used to work for one of the billionaires here in orange county and uh, he always related a story i've heard it several times but i was not i was not there but i've heard it where basically he was with uh a hedge fund in new york they were sitting in the guy's office and it was he was the chief investment officer for the billionaire and the guys going on and on about their performance and how they did relative to the market, how relative they did good. Mm-hmm. He's like, hold on. Let me just stop you right there. If I gave a million dollars to my dog and he buried it in the yard, I still have a million dollars. You lost me 15%. So oh. my dog beat your performance. Don't give me this crap about relative. That's so. fantastic, dude. Wow, that's true though. That's yeah. true. That's true. So yeah, I guess he's just trying to make like polish a turd or whatever yeah. they say. Put yeah. lipstick on a pig. Put lipstick on a pig. Yeah. Wow, that's gnarly. Ugh. And did he lose his job or he lost that business? No, he he kept it there, but it was just, just like just like be know, straight with like, me. Don't. He didn't get to be a billionaire by not realizing what goes on in the business. He understood, but he was like, "Hey, look, own it." Yeah. You were down. You didn't perform that well. Just say that. Like, don't try to justify, well, relative to this, we did really good, and we were ahead of our benchmark by 300 basis points. It's like, yeah, but you still lost me 15%. So, I mean, isn't it like the hardest thing in the world to do to beat the market consistently, like yeah, year over year? Isn't there like very few analysts in the world? to 90% of the managers cannot outperform the indices. Yeah, that's nuts. And then you have the and what So what you're seeing there, for layman's terms, is, by the by the uh by spy by dia yep. by nasdaq and yeah my by advice the index funds. for almost any investor in your 
IRAs or 401k. Well, 401ks, you're kind of limited to your options based on what your employer chose. But if you set yourself up with an IRA or something on the side, your own investment portfolio, whatever, the, you know, look at what you can control and look at what you cannot control. Mm-hmm. You cannot control the direction of the markets or how fast they're going to move or anything else. What you can control is which asset classes you're exposed to and how much in fees you're going to pay to get access to those vehicles. Mm-hmm. So you can buy the SPY, Spiders, mm-hmm. SPY, mm-hmm. which is basically an ETF for the S&P 500. You'll basically get the same exact performance as the S&P 500, but I think it's like seven basis points that you pay for it. Okay. Versus if you hire a mutual fund manager to manage an S&P 500 portfolio for you, you may be paying him 60 or 70 basis points. Versus if you choose an active fund manager who says, my benchmark is the S&P 500, but I'm going to try to outperform that. You may pay 100 basis points for that guy. So it doesn't matter if you out. So even if he does the same performance as the S&P, you're going to be down by 1% Mm -hmm, every mm -hmm. single year. If you do that for 20 years, you just paid 20% compounded over time. So much money. For this manager that 95 to... 85 to 90% of the time, they're not going to beat the S&P. Plus, if you're doing it in a taxable account, you want it to do it tax efficiently. You know, in an IRA, it's not, you can trade in and out and not worry about tax implications. But if you're doing it in a, in a regular brokerage account or something that's taxable, you also have to look at, hey, is this portfolio turning over a lot because it's generating capital gains for me every year, and I'm going to have to pay additional taxes on that. Yeah, that's... Uh... So day traders, do they get taxed on their losses too or no? They offset losses with gains and they hope that at the end of the day or the end of the year, they're going to be more positive than they are negative. But But then they get taxed like what's capital gains? Like 30, 40%? Short-term capital gains tax rate, which is basically your tax rate. Which is... So if you're 30, 40% tax bracket, then that's what you're paying. Versus if you go to long-term capital gains taxes, if you own it for more than a year, more than 366 days... Then you drop to a lower tax bracket, and it's a little bit more efficient. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess you get charged it no matter what, though, even if it's in an investment account. So there's no getting around it. Everybody's got to get paid, but they don't have to get overpaid. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great point. That's yeah. a great point. Well, I think it's... But a- how could you, like, how could you evade the capital gains tax? I guess not evade, but, I mean, do you always... Like, like okay, with homes, you could do a, a 1031 yeah ten thirty one exchange. Yeah, do they have anything like that for no. stocks? <laughs> okay, you make money, you pay. Uncle Sam wants his piece. <laughs> Boom shakalaka! Yeah. You make money, you pay. Nice. Well, I tell everybody if you lose money, you don't owe any taxes. <laughs> you know? But if you're gaining money, you might be homeless and divorced. But hey, it's like good. my mother. You know, a couple years ago, she's like, you know, I get this extra money. Would you invest it for me? I said, sure, no problem. So then like last year when taxes came, she goes, I owe like all this money in taxes. I'm like, yeah. She goes, I, I, I didn't know I was going to have to pay that. I'm like, Ma, you know how much money I made you with the portfolio? I go, yeah, but I have to pay money in taxes. I'm like, Ma, it's a good thing. Yeah. You made money. Like, Shoot. Nice. You know, dude. you're retired. You're at a low, ta- you know, yeah, low tax bad. bracket. Like, be happy you're paying tax because it means you made money. Yeah, that's free money, Mom. Yeah. That's free money. But it's just a generational difference. Yeah. You know, they just, I don't think anybody wants to pay taxes. Do you think your kids will follow in the footsteps or any of them interested in finance? 
My oldest is studying environmental oh. engineering. Oh. So he's definitely not going that direction. My middle son might. You know, he yeah. took a business class at San Juan Hills, and he really enjoyed it. Um, and then he got a job when he's 16, and he's making money now. And uh, What's he doing? He works for Chick-fil-A. Nice. I love that. My first job was Shallow Water Lifeguard, Wild Rivers. Okay. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. Love but it. now he's working. We, we have the conversation, and you're living at home. Mom and dad basically cover everything. But if you're going to be working... I'm going to require one thing or two things. Every paycheck, we're going to take a percentage out, and we opened up a Roth IRA for him. Nice, yeah. And every two weeks when he gets paid, the contribution goes into his Roth IRA, and then a second contribution goes into a, a custodial account that I have set up for him that I'm I'm the guardian of. I'm the custodian for him. Mm. Um, but I manage a portfolio of stocks for him. That's rad. For him. That's super cool. And so that's like his savings. So charge him in a 20%. few years from now, I don't charge him anything. <laughs> but in a few years from yeah. now, when he wants to buy a car, that's so like, awesome. I'm not going to buy you the car, but you've got a little chunk of money here that we've been saving up, and mm-hmm. you're going to buy it yourself. And because the, the the lesson I'm trying to teach them is to be patient with your your investments, have a game plan, but also. If I just buy him a car, he's not going to care about true. it. True, he's going to be happy. Yeah, He'll be thrilled. Yeah, yeah. But he's not going to care about it as much and not maintain it as as well yeah. as if now, he uses his own money to buy it. Now he's going to be washing it. Pride of ownership all of and it. yeah, all of it. That's so cool. I mean, I, I, yeah, that's a really fun thing I could imagine, especially if he's into it. You know, watching because that's a that's that's they need to to have some kind of education like that in school. They really do. They need to teach yeah. finance in school and not just, you know, stocks, but also, you know, uh, you know, debt, like credit card, interest just, rates, yeah, I mean, compounding interest, like all that, you know, how to keep a checkbook. Yeah. Yeah. And how to keep a running balance and what's, what's simple interest rate versus compound interest rate. And mm-hmm. if I take a student fixed loan, rate, adjusting rate, yeah, yeah. all that. Yep. Oh, it's bizarre. Instead they're freaking teaching who knows what pronouns. Yeah. Pronouns. All right. All right. So the other one I have for you is the Mets. So the Mets suck. It says the most disappointing team money can buy. Fresh off a 101 win campaign last year, which I think is shitty because they have 182 games, I believe, in MLB. That's a lot. Or 160. So anyways, an arm with an opening day payroll that set a new MLB record at 353.5 million. So their payroll was 353 and a half million. The New York Mets had high hopes for the 2023 season. Those hopes, however, have largely fallen flat, and the team sitting below 500 and riding a lengthy losing streak as it nears the midpoint of the season. Owner Steve Cohen opened his wallet to fund the expensive roster, but in an interview with the New York Post, he vowed not to go full George Steinbrenner and begin a scorched-earth campaign on his manager and players. When things get really bad, I'm not going to blow up, Cohen said. I don't think that's the proper response. I don't think it solves anything other than that. It gives people a one-day story. Okay, but given previous allegations and how he treated people while running his hedge fund, we'll see how long Cohen can maintain his Zen-like approach to the Mets' struggles. Joel Sherman, New York Post. Steve Cohen, SAC Capital, Stanford, Connecticut. Okay. Stevie lives in Greenwich, but uh, I've no- I've known about them for a long time. Um, Do you know him his- personally? Not personally, okay. but I've, I've actually been... I know of him and about him, and I've been quoted in different nice. magazines and stuff about different things that he did over the years. So years ago, I predicted that he was he got into some trouble with the government, and I predicted mm-hmm. he was going to 
shut his hedge fund down and set up a family office because I said that's what I would do. Okay. So that way there you have no government oversight. It's your own money. You're not handling money for outside investors, so the government stays out of your way. And sure gotcha. Enough, he did that. Okay, okay. He went back to running money a couple of years ago. So he's head- got an incredibly, I mean, this guy was annualizing returns at I think close to 30% for like 20 years. He's an amazing what? hedge fund investor. What? So what were his hedge fund invest in? Like businesses or stocks? Stocks. Or- stocks, what? Yeah. And he just had gnarly good economists or what you he's call got them a before? really good team of traders he has multiple desks there um i one of the guys that used to he came to work for me a few years back used to run one of the the fixed income desks for him but he's got like 600 employees oh wow okay you know okay. it's a big big office and they are they pay for research they pay for all kinds of stuff and so it's so research are we ta- like People are doing this research and then feeding it to the traders or the traders are doing the research. Yeah. Or... If you've ever seen the, the TV show Billions, that yeah, was on Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen it like a season. Yes. So Bobby Axelrod yep. is what's called an amalgam. Okay. So his character is based on multiple hedge fund guys, but it was mostly about Steve Cohen. No it was way. mostly based on him, yeah. Boom shakalaka! Gnarly, yeah. yeah so, so like they, okay, they when they uh, any edge. Adam Sorkin wrote that he's on CNBC, mm-hmm. um, and he's a you know Wall Street experienced guy reporting on it for a number of years. So he took several well-known hedge fund managers and put their characters in there. Obviously, called them different things and everything mm-hmm. else. But if you've worked on Wall Street for a while and you know the alternative yeah. investment world, the hedge funds, like as you watch that show during the seasons. You know who that's based on. Like, oh, that's so-and-so, and that's based on so-and-so. And they weave some truth into <laughs> that's that. That's so fiction. fun. That's fun, dude. That's yeah. really fun. That's rad. That's rad. So, okay, so on any given day, like Steve Cohen's firm, how much money is he trading on the stock market? He's personally worth around $10 billion. Oh. But, I mean, his company, how much are they trading on the market floor? I, you know, I haven't kept up with them the past four or five years. Or what the hell do the guys even do on the market floor? They have their own floor. You know, they basically have their own floor. Each desk is set up, and there's a team of people that works at each desk. Uh-huh. And there's, you know, three or four analysts and a couple of traders and then kind of a portfolio. You know, I'm talking about the guys on the Wall Street market floor. They're always like, the, like what do those guys do? Oh, that's do? old school, man. It's okay, not, but so it's, it's not even like of, that anymore. It's mostly electronic. Yeah, when, okay. I, when I started working for my first firm, they actually sent me to New York. I did my training in the 65th floor of the World Trade Center. Oh, wow. We were there on the exchanges. Wow. We got to see the the paper, the trading, the shouting, the back and forth. <laughs> this is the early nineties though. Nice. But it's now been I mean, when we first when I first got in the business, we used to physically write a ticket. Meaning that like like a purchase order Carl's or something. Client name, Carl, account number, blah, blah, blah. Buy one hundred shares McDonald's at this price or market rate or whatever. We used to put it into a pneumatic tube. Put it into a little thing, drop it in a tube, and go, Phew! and no then it would go to a way. quarter room somewhere, and then they would put it in. It would go to New York and execute. And then, Boom shakalaka! That's pretty sick. Yeah, I mean, it was wild. And now, nowadays, it's like I could do it from my phone and trade instantly for free. Free, yeah, right. You know, so it's crazy. And we used to, we used to have a minimum charge to buy sh- shares of stock. It was like a hundred bucks. Wow, you know, to do to one trade. To, so like to buy a hundred shares of McDonald's, we'd be like a hundred dollar commission. Wow, and that's how I made my money. Wow. But that was, but I saw even back then, I saw the industry changing. I knew that 
old school brokers were dinosaurs. Like this mm-hmm. is not going to last. Would you have to find your own people or would they give you people? Or oh like... no, you find your own people. Yeah. You have to okay. generate all your own business. Got it. Yeah. I like that though. I like that. Eat what you kill. Yeah. But they're giving you nice info. I'm sure to approach these people with. Or... No, they're giving you crap. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's tough. Every month. This is, you know, I work for what I'm not going to mention it online, but, um, I work for one of the big, uh, investment banking firms and, went through several mergers over the years and everything else. But basically it was like every month they, you know, every Monday morning is a sales meeting. You could come in, everybody Mm -hmm. would fill the room. The manager would come in. Okay. This is what we're selling today. We're pushing this. We're pushing that. Like, Oh, we're doing this IPO. Everybody's going to sell some shares of this or, and then every month the firm would launch a new mutual fund because mutual funds had lots of fees. And so all the big major firms would all have their own proprietary mutual funds. Nice. So this month it's the XYZ fund. Everybody's got to drop, you know, $10,000 into this. So call your people, IRAs, whatever else, make sure you're putting at least $10,000 of your client money into this. And then based on, it was like a hundred brokers in the office, you know, you'd put in some of the bigger brokers would put in more. Some of the newer brokers would put in less, but ultimately you, you know, each branch office was responsible for putting, I don't know, 10, $20 million into the fund. And so, by the time it launched that month, they'd have, you know, a few hundred million dollars in wow. it. And then the firm was earning all those fees. Yeah. And so that's why it was like churning out brokers. You bring the brokers in, you put them in a bullpen, you force them to sell stuff. <laughs> and a lot of them, you know, six months, eight months later, Burn they out. leave because yeah. they're burned out and or they can't hack it's hard it. to make money. Yeah. Um, so they leave, and I was like, okay, well, the firm keeps all those clients. We're just yeah. going to give them to somebody else, and, you know, yep, yep, yep. You go on your way. Nice. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, being the tail end of my career, or not t- totally tail end, but being that I've been in the industry for a long time, I know all the little hidden secrets and everything that, you know, the, the banks play, the insurance companies, the brokerage firms. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of little things that they do. Like, you know, nowadays – when a lot of people come, you know, they, I deal with, they're very wealthy, so they get approached a lot by all the different banks. Yeah. It's like, oh. For them to bank there, store their money, well, I mean, Like investment banks, like, you know, Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley. Not like an escrow or, bank or escrow bank. Yeah. Okay. Merrill Lynch, one Got of it. some yeah, of those yeah. firms. And they're always constantly coming out with new product. You know, <laughs> oh, we have a new fund this month, and it's going to be. You better a, read that fine print. Huh? It's a commercial mortgage fund, you know, because oh, we're about to see a lot of distress in the commercial mortgage market. So we're going to raise a couple billion dollars. And we're going to go buy those distressed assets, and this and that. And that's a great story. Okay, so they start telling that. So they call all their brokers. Everybody's got to buy some of this. Everybody's got to put some clients in here. So each one's got a prospectus and a deck, and then they'll do a dog and pony show. So there'll be a investor relations team from corporate headquarters come wow. out to go to every office to hype everybody up. Why you should be selling this to your clients? Do this, do this, do this. Dang. And then all the people are expected to go out and sell that. But when you look through the fine print that you're talking about, mm-hmm. you'll find that most of those most of those offerings, the firm makes money three or four times before you see your first penny. That's so gnarly. So they have a management fee. Uh-huh. that's disclosed, that's nice and easy to see. But then in the fine print, you realize, oh, but it's distributed to this. Well, that's another subsidiary of their company that gets their distribution fees. And then there's another one that does the valuation services. So they that part of the company gets their fees. And so when you really break it down and look at the whole thing, like they get paid three or four times up front. And then 
you get your return and you have like, especially on a real estate funnel, I said, well, there's a six pref, which means that you get the first 6% after they get all their fees, you get your first 6% out. Then after there, there's a, a call waterfall where they get a certain percent, you get a certain percent up to a certain level. And then above 10%, it's 50, 50. Well, you said, well, it's great. Well, I get my 6% back. Yeah. Well, they're making three or 4%, but what happens when the down years happen? You have a couple down years and you're never going to quite climb your way back to making that pref. Uh-huh. But the firm still makes their, you know, three, four percent of no matter off those what. other things, no matter what happens. Yeah. That's tough. So you do it yourself if you can. Is that if what you you're can. saying? I mean, or find somebody it, that it, it's complicated stuff and it's yeah, not I couldn't easy to do, do it yourself. Myself, you have no to have way. an infrastructure, you have to have a team, you have to be able to yeah. do due diligence, you have to do all those different things. But you know, that's kind of what I do. That's that's mm-hmm. my job is I help very, very wealthy people set up their own kind of operations and how to manage all their investments internally so you don't have to rely on other people to do it. Yeah. No, that's great. I really like that. I really like that. And yeah, it's there's so much you can do when you have money. Like you said, when you're really wealthy, I feel like the door is just, just <laughs> open, right? Literally. I say it takes money to make money. But then again, to be honest, you know, the, the, the majority of my clients I work for over the years have been what they call serial entrepreneurs. Okay. These are people that have gotten into a certain line of business, were very successful, took the profits, bought into something else invested in something else like no one like makes their money walks away and like all right i'm gonna go walk on the yeah beach. yeah hell no like you they may do it for a month but then they're like oh no I- i'm bored i'm going crazy but how many of them get in and from absolutely nothing like um a few of them do okay yeah yeah that whole world's so interesting man it, it's it's cool it's so cool i think that's I, I that's something i like looking back now it's like gosh i wish i would have maybe put an emphasis on finance and college because it intrigues me like you said current events dude it's all about the world it's crazy yeah. like you know um like for you know I'm, i don't trade stocks or anything i'm not a day trader but i was reading an article the other day about air conditioning and honeywell or not i i thought of honeywell but air conditioning in india is you know basically the indians are at a at like ninety six hundred dollars like Every family makes ninety six hundred dollars a year on average. Yep. Well, as soon as they eclipse a ten thousand dollar mark, that's like the poverty, like in, like their class kind of changes, and that's class. where yeah, that's where they get like air conditioners or some some crap. Uh, so air conditioning, you know, sales are predicted. I don't know five x ten x by like yeah. twenty thirty, and they they they've done studies in these factories with Indian workers where literally every every degree drop in celsius correlates to like x amount of slower work so oh, okay. by these workers being so like one degree hotter they work more productivity yes 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 yeah so it's really insane well, it makes sense yeah yeah totally right if you're uncomfortable and sweating you're angry and hot and pissed and so or like all the uh was it foxconn factories in china where they make all the parts for apple where they have to install nets around the building because so many people were committing suicide by jumping off the buildings what? I didn't hear about yeah. that. Yeah. Wait, why would they jump off them? Because the working conditions are just miserable. Oh, my gosh. Like, there's no child labor laws or anything else. And so they're just, they, they work their workers to death. Did Apple just hit another all-time high? Yeah. Well, not in, I think it was like 195 was their high. They're like 183 or something today. So it's it's climbing back. Dang. That's gnarly. Suicide over working. That's sad. That's really sad. Yeah. 
But they, I never heard about that. I mean, how did you even hear about that? That's, I feel like that's something that gets buried in our media. You got the grapevine, man. Your team's uh, yeah. doing good work. Your team's doing good work. I'm constantly on the lookout for stuff. All right. So what we came here for tonight, let's hear some youth sports. So, I mean, Little League's a nonprofit, but. There's no good youth sports investments, huh? You want to buy the AAA <laughs> Orioles? <laughs> I'll sell uh, you the AAA yeah. Orioles. Yeah. LRLL. Youth sports, though, I mean, the largest in, in Ladera Ranch is AYSO. Really? The Do number you know of how players many? they have. It's huge. They Because uh, I know with Larmac, there's a sports field committee that divvies up to all the sports. Oh, Cox Park, wow. Founders, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Field Chaparral. time. Osa Grande, baseball field, everything else. Like they have to allocate for baseball, softball, soccer, flag football, um, rugby, um, lacrosse, um, all the other sp- youth sports that are played. We have a youth lacrosse league. Yeah. I didn't know that. Not in Ladera, but it's. They practice here. Okay. Um, but all those, all, every team wants to practice. Yeah. And AYSO has like 10 teams at like every age group yeah Six, they are seven huge. eight nine ten eleven twelve and they the boys and girls boys and girls yeah yeah and so that's just the ayso then you have a couple of the uh little leagues that play on founders little leagues too but then there's also other soccer groups that are not ayso but they're the, those travel like club teams club gotcha. teams yeah. okay and okay. there's a bunch of baseball club teams Tons and of some other stuff teams. so it's like you've got mainstream little league where everybody gets to play then you have all these club teams where you have the better kids that are traveling to play and different things so it's you got thirty thousand people in ladera most everybody's got kids mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and most of them have three four five some of them have up to ten kids you know? can you know someone with ten uh there's um there's a sprinter van that drives around with a license plate lds limo Oh, <laughs> oh enough said. Enough, I don't know the family. Enough but said. Yeah, enough said. That's classic. Yeah. Wow, wow. So do do the do the leagues they pay us to use our fields? I'm assuming they pay nominal fees. Yeah, okay. Larmac doesn't. It's not a profit center for them, but it's just they have. What's Larmac's profit center? HOA fees. Yeah, dues. Yeah, monthly dues. Yeah. Oh, there's something I wanted to ask you. So I drive by the roundabout, like if you're coming down O'Neill, and it's like I call it Ladera's like Stonehenge. What oh yeah, are yeah, all yeah. those like pillars. Those are, uh, I think it's AT and T or I think it's Verizon. Okay, it's a it's a cell tower. Oh, those are cell tower yeah. things. Oh, interesting. I thought it was like maybe like a sign that never finished <laughs> getting built or something like that. Or no, no, no. Oh, was put early on. Yeah, they look like yeah. tombstones or gravestones or but something. But one of the like things that. we are doing right now is that roundabout at, is that Narrow Canyon? Or what's the the first one? If you're coming south on O'Neill, past the dog park, what's that, that next? first one? Dorrance, right? Is that Dorrance? Yeah, I okay. want to say it's Dorrance. Well, on the right there, we're going to be tearing out some of that area and putting some pickleball courts there. Night, where the dirt yeah hill goes kind of towards the hillside nice. how many yeah. pickleball courts oh i forget what it is but that's uh but it's been we've been planning on it for like over a year but you have to get permits and you have to get the county and they have to do soil studies and they have to do oh. noise studies and it's just like even within our communities just pour concrete to do some pickleball courts like there's layers of red tape in the government just to get through to do that so is it approved or it's 
on it. Um, last thing I saw, we were waiting for some final approvals, but it's been planned. It's been plotted. We got the money set aside. It was just waiting for the, the county to give the final thumbs up to move that stuff ahead. So I got the like the Ladera Happenings email. Um, you know, this weekend it said the founders renovation gets underway. Yeah, that's already. I saw some pictures that it was already getting dug up. So, like, how how much of the field's gonna be? So the July fourth, the entire. So what are they gonna do for July fourth? It'll still be open. Um, oh, okay. But most of the time, if you remember in the past, we we fenced that all inner part off anyway. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because based on the fire code, because remember we have to have the fire department here to light fireworks because okay. there's so much around us that could catch on fire. Gotcha. So we have to have a drop zone. So there's like I don't know two three hundred foot drop zone, and that that helps to dictate the size of the shells that we use with the firework company. Because if it goes up 500 feet in the air, yeah, you have to have a wider range. So I think totally. ours are two to 300 feet high. Okay. So you have to have like a 300, 300, Science. No, 300 foot. You have like a, th- and I bet you have like a wind limit, right? Or no? Yeah. They also check the wind and everything. So else. have we ever had to like wait for wind or maybe we haven't yet, but sure. we did like, I think two, two years ago, we did have to wait for a drone. Somebody was flying a drone. Oh, and they said, we can't start the fireworks until that drone's out of the way. Oh, that person and lost some friends that night, huh? They, they tried to stay anonymous. We figured out who it was. but they, Oh, nice. They tried to like, nice. Oh, we don't know who did it, but uh, and like, yeah, yeah, we do. Um, I got to admit, I, hate, I can't stand drones, dude. There's and then st- other years, it's like a lot of people come and spend the day in Founders Park, and they put up tents, and they put up shade coverings and everything or 4th of july yeah yeah but then when the fireworks start they start making announcements everybody's got to put down your your oh yep your your tarps or umbrellas whatever because that could catch on fire and so sometimes there have been times when the fireworks have been delayed because because some people don't want to listen oh gosh and then normally staff goes around and saying hey reminder put your things down put your things down um but some people you always just, got that guy. You always got one. Yeah, always got at least, right? Yeah. At least. All right, nice. I'm glad I'm glad they're renovating that turf. They have a Father's Day hot diggity dad. Do you go they gonna eat the hot, hot dogs? Diggity dad. Saturday, June tenth, eleven to one PM at where does it say we're doing they're doing this? Don't even say the location. Tide pools, what? I don't know. I'm not gonna be there. No. No. I've got I've got a um, hosting some stuff up at the U.S. Open oh, Friday, nice. Saturday, Sunday. So I'll be up golf. there for work stuff. Oh, that's fun. You big golfer? No, not at all. Not at all. I love golf. I'm, a- I'm hosting the hospitality suite at the Beverly Hills Hotel. So Ooh. I'll be there all day. Bring me back a bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's fun stuff. All right. All right. So, I mean, youth sports. I mean, okay. What's our gnarliest league in Ladera? gnarliest i'm talking like coaches you know i've been out of it for a while okay wait did Um, your sons play little league yeah my sons played little league through majors basketball flag football rugby i think that's it so they never did the swim team so none of them ever really swam okay um but did they play little league through majors my first two played just for a couple years, and it was too boring for them. Okay, okay. All three of my boys love flag football. 
and they played flag football up until seventh, up until sixth grade, and then seventh and eighth we switched to Pop Warner to give them a couple years before they get to high school. Where but then Pop Warner was kids from like all cities, basically, right? Um, mostly South County here, mostly okay. Ladera, Coto, um, Tribuco, I got gotcha. Tribuco, yeah. Okay, nice and. When you played in Ladera or some things I see with. But even like flag football. How does it get political? It does it get political? Competitive. Competitive. Between the parents and Between coaches? the parents, more so than the kids. Yeah, okay. I see that too. Okay. So you now, have a certain phenomenon of the fathers that were never that successful on their own. And they're trying to live vicariously through their kids. <laughs> Boom shakalaka! And they spend, you know, days and days putting together these fancy offenses and everything else to to win the, the championships or whatever else. <laughs> it's like a bunch of eight-year-olds. <laughs> and then you get the kids on the field and they're going the wrong direction oh, and they they didn't follow this pattern. They didn't do what. And the coaches are yelling and screaming their heads off. And it's just like uncomfortable for everybody totally. on the field. Like, yeah up with this guy and then you've got some coaches that are like super nice mellow chill like hey we're here to have fun if we win great you know and so it's interesting you'll see a, a total dichotomy of, of coaches along the way and i'm sure it's with that way in every sport um a lot of them get get away from hey these are young kids yeah young kids man you these know, are teeny they're here to learn the basics learn you know the learn the fundamentals yeah it's kind of you know. it's it's sad a little bit when you think about it because some of those kids might not want to come back and play the yeah. following year just because they're getting yelled at for not understanding like you said this play that was crafted for you know yeah. nfl uh, running back yeah <laughs> so you know i i see that a lot and i see one thing i feel the league's kind of i don't know if it's Okay, so let's say you have a coach that's been coaching from T-ball or beginning soccer, right? Yep. And those coaches always get preference, like year over year, just because mm-hmm. they've coached before. Yeah. When I don't always think that's warranted, you know, because the leagues don't do like it's not like they they say their surveys, but I've never been asked once like to fill out a survey on what I thought. Yeah. Coach or person like this and that, you know. So I feel like a lot of these people they're indoctrinated in just because they were able to get in from like an early an early time right yeah. and i've seen that personally because you know i was at a time in my life like four years ago where i couldn't volunteer time like i have now well, it's, it's like anything else you know the, the people that run the league they're volunteers they're not paid to do this but i think some of them aren't coming straight from a volunteer's heart there's a little bit of nepotism yeah. in that oh heart, absolutely maybe. There's a there's an inherent bias because it's like, okay. hey, I've been working with these guys for years and they're nice and I go out for beers with them and he's my buddy and I want to make sure I'm taking care of him. Yeah. And unfortunately that tends to discourage. And his son is going to make all-stars versus the kid who maybe works his ass off or had a stellar season. Like I said, we didn't go that far with it, but I did see that whoever coached the team miraculously his kid <laughs> is always the pitcher. Boom yeah. shakalaka! And probably, probably all-star as well. Um. That's I mean the our 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 little league it's a phenomenon I feel you know we're the only league around that has every single head coach and assistant coach's kid is an alter not every single but a good ninety plus percent I would yeah. say and you know like it's a phenomenon is not is? phenomenon is basically you know the only word I can really really use for it and but we do have some pretty good athletes coming out of here oh though. we have fantastic our, we have our baseball hotbed we got some great baseball but players. all sports all sports I mean, yeah. it's, it's pretty incredible when you when you really look at it 
how many retired professional athletes live in the Dara Ranch? Yeah, I've heard of you a know, few. It, there's a number of them, and all their kids are obviously genetically gifted because their parents played at a high level. Yeah. So then they're in the leagues, and then sometimes the dads are coaching, mm-hmm. you know, and so it, it's, it's kind of cool to see some of that. Definitely. Definitely. So what sport do you think is – like oh, we're not not say what sport where where should I send my kid to high school if he wants to play sports Tesoro or San Juan because we have school choice here right yeah it it depends on if it's baseball or football or and then it it also changes with time you know I think every school will go through a period where they have a really good team and then those kids graduate and they're kind of rebuilding that's true that's true and so it's hard to predict what. I just feel like San Juan's like triple the size of Tesoro, right? In terms of population for students. And they still have like one baseball team, one football team. Yeah. I mean, they got like a fresh, fresh, freshman JV varsity, but it's not like just because they have 5,000 students and Tesoro has 2,000 students. They don't have two football teams over there. You know what I'm saying? So it's obviously that makes it a lot harder, I would say, to make teams. Yeah, Rob Frith is the athletic director over there at San Juan Hills and head football coach, and he's he's put together a pretty good program where they're actually recruiting now from the middle schools. What? And yeah. Middle so they, schools have football teams? No, they don't. But they run training clinics okay, like in the off-seasons. Okay. Uh, not only in the summer, but winter and everything else. Because I know my son in middle school, he he's, knows – Coach Frith's son and my son were friends for a while. And uh-huh. so, you know, they're going to be on the freshman football team in a few weeks. But nice. you know, even last year and the year before, we constantly getting emails like, hey, come do strength and training for two weeks during spring break or winter break or whatever else. You know, so all those coaches get to look at the up and coming kids coming out of middle school. So they're already like, oh, yeah. you know, this kid's coming, this kid's coming. This so, kid's but they coming. don't invite them. They just throw out a flyer saying, check out this clinic. They, they email it to us. To the yeah. kids directly. They to figure the out the parents. And yeah. They figure out the email and they say. And that's one thing. Parents in the dare will spend money on private coaches, yeah, on special intense. training, on uh, all kinds of stuff. So yeah. it's. Uh, you know, there's, I get that. I definitely think it helps, but I'm also on the other token too of if your son just plays a lot or kid, son, daughter plays a lot and practices and truly loves the sport. And, you know, kids are so young right now at 10 to have private coaches and that. I mean, they could have all the coaching in the world, but then maybe a kid hits a growth spurt or something and just becomes strong, especially in football, right? Tackle football. You could be you great hit, now. You, you could puberty. be fast as shit now in the flag football leagues, but you get yeah. to you know, freshman year and you're going to, you know, you're riding the bench because you're getting knocked around. Well, we have one kid that's at San Juan Hills. Um, my, his oldest brother and my, my oldest son were on baseball together. And then this was like the third of their three boys. And he was, he's, 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 I think he's 15 because he's right in between my 14 and 16 year old. And he was, he played rugby for a couple of years with us. Mm. We stopped playing a couple years ago, <laughs> but I, I see the postings. He's been offered all kinds of scholarships from all the big schools because he's in high school. He's six foot seven, three hundred and ten pounds. Boom shakalaka! Wow. 
So it's like, I remember little Trevor, like in the back of my car, driving back and forth to games and stuff. And now he's like, now he'll carry you to games. Yeah. Wow, dude. Six, seven. Yeah. That's a, how big is his dad? His dad's tall too. His dad's like six, four, six, five. But is he like, he sounds like ripped. He's a big guy. Dang. And wait, but so he's getting scholarship requests for rugby to school? No, football. He plays on the San Juan Hills football team. What position? Off uh, left tackle. Wow, does he get a lot of sacks? I haven't seen him play because I haven't really watched Or no, I'm sorry, stuff. tackle. He's a blocker. Yeah. Not an end. Wow. Yeah, I haven't seen his games, but obviously he's, you know, getting a lot of attention from a lot of people. Because so. he's massive. Yeah. Does he literally, like, is he getting double teamed every play? Like I said, I haven't seen him play, so I don't okay. really know. But I just wait. He's going to be a freshman, or he's no. He's I think he'll be a junior, maybe okay. a senior. I don't know. Cool. How many kids make varsity their first year over there? Um, just a few. You know, because yeah. I my my son played freshman football. He was the backup quarterback. Nice. He was the kicker, and he was a linebacker. So he played, you know, offense, defense, special teams. But he got, after freshman year, he was like, yeah, I'm done. I don't really want to play anymore. Really? Yeah. And it was, wow. I was like, kind of disappointed. It's like, yeah. you were good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, but, you know, I'd rather take a year off and just spend time in the gym and get big and maybe go back to junior year. Well, right. that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so does he do any sports now or he works? No, he played rugby again. Okay. And then nice. he got a real bad concussion. Back Ooh. in February at a tournament up at UCLA. Did he and get then, knocked out? He didn't lose consciousness, but he got a bad concussion. His sinus is all filled with blood, and he had a headache oh. for about a week. And so he kept him out of school and Gnarly. Um, had to let all the blood drain and everything. He did break his nose, too. So, um, they know and after that, he never went back. Hard. Yeah, that's, that's a tough you know, one. He just kind of got out of it. And then he turned 16, and he's like, well, I'll get a job, and... Now he's he's either working or spending time with his girlfriend. He doesn't want have any time for anything else. <laughs> I can respect that. So. It's good he's working. I mean, that's how I'm going to be with my kids. If if yeah. they're not playing sports, then they're going to have to have you yeah. know at least a part time job yeah. for sure. So nice man, right on. Right got to keep them busy. You do. You know, you got to multitask, and and you know that's one thing that has been good for me during my lifetime is, you know, I guess when I was in high school, I was kind of a screw up and I was always an athlete. So that I helped get into college on a scholarship from, for track and field. Oh, wow. Um, Cause academically it wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> I was nowhere near valedictorian. Um, That's great. That's but great. you know, it was useful to me, but then when I was in college, I was kind of a late bloomer. So I went out to college they treat you completely differently. Yeah, it's a I whole excelled different in college because of so, that. Yeah, me too. It's like, yeah. well, wait, I can go to school two days a week. I can get it all done two well, days I don't a know week. About that, but you can go from being treated like a kid, being a mediocre student, goofing off, doing whatever. Then you go to college, and it's like you got nobody telling you what to do, but you know that you got to get it done. Exactly. So you got to learn to prioritize and figure out how to make things happen. That's what I'm saying. I'd always book like I'd go to school Tuesday, Thursdays for like eight hours. And then yeah. I'd have like one class on Friday for three hours or one class on one every three hours. Yeah. And then, you know, like I got to college, like you said, you have to get it done, but it's you, it's you. So you don't have, there's no tardies. 
There's yeah. no like truancies. There's no yeah. Up or not. yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I freaking no excelled totally. So I loved college. I, I loved college. But yeah, yeah, I mean, there's some things I would look back in high school and wish like I could do over. But you know, as a I think we all have that. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. That's a whole nother episode. We start going through those. Shoot. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I remember like there was girls that I had a crush on, and I was always afraid to say anything. And then like years later, they're like. I was so in love with you, and you would never ask me out. It's like, damn it. Oh. Jeez, like. Where do they tell you that? Like, like at a reunion or something? Yeah, like years oh, later. It's shoot. like, oh, man. Or, you know, yeah. it's like. So I grew up on the East Coast, and so, like, of all things, Facebook. I started, like, oh. years ago. Like, oh, whatever happened to that person? Then Facebook came around. Uh-huh, it's like, uh-huh. okay, well, all of a sudden, you can connect with all the people you grew up with halfway around the world or whatever. And uh, it's kind of cool looking at how. This person, oh, they married that person, and they got five kids or two kids, and this is what they end up doing. And it's kind of, you look back at their personality and say, okay, I can kind of see how that worked and whatever else. And then some other ones are like, wow, that was shocking. Like, yeah. I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, um, right. Well, they fell off the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> and some of those people are still living in the same town. Like, they never moved. Like, they're still there. Like, I knew I wanted to get out. The world's a big place. I wanted to go do things. So I went to a big city, went to school, and then mm-hmm. switched coasts and did all this crazy stuff. And Yeah. But, uh, yeah, sports, I think, is really, really good for kids. I don't care what sport it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got to have them in something. I think a team sport is especially good to teach them socialization skills and how to work with others. Um, I think it's also good to have them be coached by somebody. You know, personally, like, I could tell my kids something, oh, tell them gosh. blue in the face, and they won't listen. But if a coach tells them the same thing, they'll the be like, exact oh, same thing. really? Okay, yeah, that's good. I'll, I'll try that now. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm just the father. Everybody else just is an expert. Don't listen to me, son. I don't know anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need some money? Okay, cool. Yeah. But that's funny. But, you know, I, I also, um, I was a coach at Tesoro High School for five years. For five? Uh, track and field. Track. Oh, nice. Yeah. Boys That's and girls cool. track and field over there. So I did sprints and hurdles. Very I was, cool. I was a hurdler in high school and college. Oh, that's cool. I used cool. to run the quarter mile. So I was a lot lighter back then. <laughs> what was your fastest quarter faster. mile time? Uh, I was around 48 and 48 and a half. Dang. Dang. Do you still jog to keep in shape? No, right. not at all. Not at all. I'm close to 75, 80 pounds heavier than I was in high school. So oh, shoot, I'm probably at least 50. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, do I you work, work out? out? All times, okay. Yeah. yeah. I work out. Yeah. I try to work out four or five times a week. Where do you, do you have a gym at home? You go I to go the gym? To EOS. Yeah. I go to EOS occasionally too. Well, the last couple months, it's been insane how crowded. I know all the kids they need to fix that damn punching bag too. That's a little, that's yeah, not that good either. Yeah, can't they just hang but, it up so it doesn't sag on the floor, though? I mean, is that yeah. too much to ask? Or maybe buy a bag that's a foot shorter? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really clean gym. I like it. Um, Dude, obviously. I signed up when it was nine ninety nine a month. I'm on that nine ninety nine yeah. plan. Yeah. I signed up for the more expensive one because I can take guests and all the rest of that. But, oh, uh, gosh. No, I signed up before they even had the building. Yeah, was, I did that, too. Okay, nice. Things, yeah. Yeah. But because I was used to go to twenty four hour fitness, okay, and that place was so run. Are they down. still open over there by the stop signs? I, I see their think sign. They are, but okay. it was just, it was so dirty, and 
all the equipment was always broken and like the sign would be there for like two, three weeks till they got it fixed. And then EOS opened, it was all brand new. And I'm like, well, I'm going to jump ship and it's much cheaper too. So I went over there, but now it's just, it's so crowded. I'm actually thinking of switching back or going somewhere else because it's, even if I go like eat in the morning, there's a line for like everything. Really? When they forget about it. You when, can't even after four or five in the afternoon, it's, I usually go like like 8.30 after my kids go to bed, and it's okay. At night? Yeah. Yeah, I I did that with my son last year. He used to go at like 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, But I try to go, like normally I do carpool in the morning, drop the kids at school. I go try to get an hour in the gym before I get on the phone and start working. You don't have to be like up with the markets. No, no, no. Okay, nice. The stuff I do is mostly private stuff. Okay, cool. Individual transactions, nothing to do with the markets. But... uh, yeah, even in the mornings, it gets, you know, I guess once everybody goes back to school, it'll go back to normal and it won't be as crowded. But right now, it's just, I was there at like 9.30 this morning and it's, I had to stand around waiting for different machines because it was like, gosh, that kills your workout it. too. It just yeah. is like, yeah. Kills your momentum. Yeah, yeah, totally. That sucks. That sucks. Well, yeah, they got to fix that dang punching bag, dude. That bums me out. All right, let me just go back to that last thing you said about, you know, you travel, it's funny, because I, I grew up in Laguna Hills, right? Yeah. And I traveled, like, a, so I went to college in San Diego, and then I worked for a surf magazine for, you know, X amount of years, uh, photographer, uh, like, assistant photo editor. So I wrote for the magazine, I shot photos, traveled, um, all of it, you know, and I traveled a lot of places throughout the world in the United States in search of waves and surf and documenting. It was like a great gig, right? In the summer. And this kind of, yeah, pretty, kind of, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. What's and, your favorite surf movie? Oh, man, surf movie? I'm going to have to say North Shore. Okay. Rick Kane, dude, Turtle, Rick Kane, yeah. That's a, that's a classic, that's a classic. Um, the one I love? Point Break. Oh, my dog's named Bodie too. Johnny the original, Utah. not the remake one. The original. Wait, you're talking, wait, there's one before Keanu Reeves no, and no, Bodie. That's, that's okay. the original. I'm, they remade they it? one a few years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is he still Johnny Utah? Ah, uh, dude, Johnny Utah's Bodie. They maybe did change. I think they changed the name, but it was it was totally different and it was total different vibe and it just was not 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 the same. No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, I don't know how you could ever remake that, but you can't. Well, they did with like more extreme sports stuff. Like they were like, like BMXing actual, like, down the side of a mountain during an avalanche okay. or something. It's like, come on, it's yeah. ridiculous. Like it's <laughs> Well, where I was going with that is, you know, I travel a lot of places, but whenever I get on an airplane and come home, I like I was always, you know, drive especially because I'd fly into LAX a lot because it was international. Yeah. And you just drive over the border LA to O C and it's just like, oh, like I'm so glad to be home. Like I freaking I love this like little bubble. I love this little niche we have as here. As you swing through Long Beach around that <laughs> curve. You get a total different vibe. All of a sudden, like the freeway opens, opens up. up. Yep. Is like six, seven lanes. Uh-huh. It's clean. Clean. It's like, wow, yeah. I'm back in Orange County. Like this, totally. this orange curtain no really does exist. It de- it's, it's like an invisible it's, it's border. Israel's like, Iron Dome, dude. Yeah. It's like right <laughs> there. You're in Orange County. It's like, oh, keep the riffraff out. Can breathe easier. Totally. Totally. So, the worst is on the five freeway going up to LA. Oh, it's like goes to two lanes like there two by like lanes. Downey after Downey to. Oh, commerce yeah. two lanes and it's like yes. you don't want to break down in those areas oh heck no heck no yeah Ugh. good times yeah sometimes ways will be like oh, this is shorter i'm like i don't care i quit uh, using ways i'm going a long way <laughs> yeah yeah because right. i know if i break down i'm gonna live 
Well, hey, they have like redone Compton and like all that area a bunch ever since the stadium went in there. Yeah. They gentrified the heck out of that place, but but there's still homeless camps everywhere. Yeah, because we went to a game a few months back and we were driving to SoFi and then it's, and there's like homeless people everywhere. My kid's like, Dad, look at that, and this. You know, the, the, the people that are nuts and they're singing and dancing yeah, in the middle of the street and they're like totally. What do we pay mind. our taxes for, right? Yeah. It's, remember the one in Anaheim, in front of the Anaheim Big A? They finally got rid of that like a year ago, I want to say, but used to drive on the 57 freeway. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you yeah, could yeah, see the them there. from the freeway. It was literally an encampment. And if you ever get stuck on jury duty down in Santa Ana, there's like a whole homeless complex, like a block from there. It was like. Needles everywhere, shooting gallery. Oh my like, gosh, dude. Ugh. Yeah, yeah it, people it, were finding needles in the sand last summer at yeah, certain beaches. It's, it's unfortunate. Because they give them out free at pharmacies. Yeah. Yeah. If you're Dems, man. The Obama d- giving out the crack pipes to people, those little kit- kits with the glass <laughs> pipe and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And then they asked Jean-Pierre about that, and she's like, oh, no, we're not giving out crack pipes. It's like... <laughs> Yes, you are. Here's what they are. This is what it looks like. It's like in what world, right? In what? Like, ah, it's ludicrous, dude. And I heard in LA and San Francisco, they're going to put speed cameras now. So it's instead of red light cameras, they're going to put cameras that can see the speed of your car. They're not going to do it in Orange County because Orange Curtain, like, we're not going to take that. But in LA, they're going to have, you're going to get tickets. It's just another reason to not go through a camera. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm pretty good about. When I get on the freeway, I like to go in the carpool lane and I put on my cruise control because I just, I, I don't want to. Do you have a Tesla or something or you have a carpool sticker? No. I just, no, I, I, I'm generally driving with kids. Or okay, got somewhere. it, got it. You know, it's like okay. Saturday morning we had to drive to the U.S. Olympic Training Center down mm-hmm. in Chula Vista. Oh, wow. You know, we had a rugby That's tournament a down there. Yeah. And it was like an hour and a half drive, but I just get in the carpool lane, set my cruise control at 72. And it's within 10 miles at 65. Most of the time, they're not going to mess with you. And, you know, I just cruise there. And I, some people want to go faster than me. And they come up on my tail and ride me for a couple minutes. And I'm just like, I'm not moving. I'm doing more than the speed limit. If you want to nice. go around me, go ahead. But it's, And do they? Or? Yeah, most of the time they do. <laughs> but I'm just like, you know what? I'm within my rights. But I'm, I don't want to tempt CHP. Like, once you go over 10 miles over the speed limit, that's where they kind of... See, that's good, because I would have been 80 in there. Like, I would have set mine at 80, so I'm glad you said that. I go go right below... It's like, how much time am I really losing? Four miles an hour over 60 miles or so? I'm driving with the wife and kids, whatever. It's like, you know, their lives are more important than getting there a couple minutes earlier, so... Yeah, that's true. But I'm also lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Cruise control. Put on cruise control and sit back. Plus, you get better gas mileage. And when you're paying five plus bucks a gallon, you know, you don't want to be up and down on the gas pedal because it's a little less efficient. Yeah. No, most definitely. Yeah. Speaking truth, my friend Jay. Speaking truth. Yeah. Well, did we we cover it all? or, Or, you know, are we anything else you can think of? I feel like time just flies in this casita. This casita is like the black hole. That it is. Just you know, we start chatting and ninety plus minutes go by just like that. Has it been ninety already? Ninety five. Oh wow! Okay. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's like it's like, dude, what? Well, and any advice for families? I would give you know. Uh, I'd say when your kids are young, 
I, somebody somebody said this to you. So you go to the front line, you put out a tennis racket, a football, a baseball, a hockey stick, a lacrosse thing, whatever. You let your kid pick up one and try it out. You know, let your kids get, expose don't force them. them into a sport. Don't force them into it, but give them choices. Um, I think inertia is incredible, and if you give them no option, they'll be perfectly home. Perfectly happy sitting home playing video games, not leaving the couch. Oh, you can't get As a parent, your responsibility is to get the kid up and moving. Amen. And I think especially in those teen years, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, when your body is changing, you're going through puberty, I think it's incredibly important for parents to have their kids in sports because you are developing the infrastructure of your body for the rest of your life. And if you are sedentary and not doing anything, you're setting yourself up for a body type that is going to be sedentary for the rest of your life. And if you set yourself up with strength training and, and running and jumping and whatever else, your body's going to adapt to that and your muscles are going to grow and other things are going to happen to make you an athlete the rest of your life. And that's just going to give you better balance and coordination and everything else for the rest of your life. You know, so like with all three of my kids, when they were, you know, four, four or five years old, before they really get into sports, I put them all in gymnastics. Really? Yeah. Nice. They do two, three years of gymnastics because that teaches you, uh, here's an SAT word out there, proprioception. Wow. Which basically means that you have a sense of where your body is in motion at all times. My son needs that because he's tall for his age, so he's still growing into yeah. his body. Proprioception. 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 Okay. Nice. So, you know, but doing that stuff at an early age teaches them flexibility and balance and all the rest of that. And then from gymnastics, if you want to stay in gymnastics, that's great. But if not, that's a good base for almost any other sport that you're going to do. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. yeah. That's I you hear of you hear of football players taking like ballet and yeah. stuff like that to work on their footwork and and then one of the other things I would emphasize to parents, if you can get your kids to do it, which none of mine would, um, jujitsu. It's it's amazing. Ooh. Grappling, um, teaching is going to give your kids a lot of confidence. But you know, inevitably, there's going to be confrontations in life. There's mm-hmm. going to be fights, and you want to know how to defend yourself. Eighty, ninety percent of fights always go to the ground, and if you can control your opponent on the ground and dominate them and put them in a position where you're going to submit them. Because it's painful, you're going to break their arm or their shoulder or something. You control that fight. You're going to win, and you're going to be able to walk away. But it's going to give where do you your 90 percent go to the ground in a fight? Most of the time, when there's you see a fight in a bar fight or in a playground fight, or whatever. You're saying the other guy's trying to wrestle him to the ground to pound his face in the ground. Go to the ground, but know something that they're going to grab each other, and you're going to go to the ground. I don't know if I'm in a bar fight. I'm never going to grab the guy. I'm just going to try to punch him. And hold, I'm gonna yeah. box them essentially. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I don't know, but the vast majority of fights go to the ground one way or another. He's gonna try to double leg me. I should like knee him in the face or something. I don't know. Well, if you, yeah, that's jujitsu guys do great against wrestlers because wrestlers are always gonna run in and leave their neck exposed. Yeah, a guillotine choke or you know whatever else you're gonna do as they come in. Wrestlers are badass though. I feel like Rapt- wrestlers, wrestlers are, are gnarly amazing little bunch. athletes. Yeah, heck and incredibly yeah. strong. Like that ape strength. Yeah, yeah, fully. And they're just fully like solid. Yeah, they can like they can stick to your body like a freaking yeah, like a leech that suffocates you or something. It's so weird. Like you said, solid. They're like meat. Yeah, like slabs of freaking 
yeah yeah that's why maybe that's why i never did jujitsu i just it's hard for me to like roll around with like a sweaty dude i don't like to like rub on like a super sweaty guy uh yeah that's what the only reason I don't do jujitsu because I love to box. I love I love boxing. I think it's so fun. I think it's a great. When I was workout. a kid, I used to get picked on a lot because I was tall and skinny, and we lived in a neighborhood that was you know there was not a lot of white people in the neighborhood I grew up in, and so I got picked on because I was a white kid, and I had to walk through there to go to school. So my parents are like, "Well, you're getting picked on a lot, so we're going to teach you to go jitsu now judo." So I went to the YMCA and took judo lessons, and I'm Sick. like. This sucks. Like, I want to be able to hit somebody. Okay, I don't want to. Okay. Do, I don't want to just grab them and flip them over. Yeah, like, bend their wrist back and you know, can have them. A judo was just like flipping and. and oh, okay, I thought it was stuff. like so hands. It's not and, even. Okay, no, oh, that sucks. So I did that for stuff like you'll never use. Two years. It was a good base, and then I didn't do anything for a number of years. And then in high school, uh, I took some kung fu um, nice. with some friends, and that was good base. And then when I went to college. I got really into taekwondo and kickboxing for a while. Oh, kickboxing. And that was, I had a great time doing that. Did some competitions and some Mm. other things. And when I came to LA, um, I first, we lived up in Sherman Oaks for a while. And the oldest Muay Thai Academy is in North Hollywood. Oh, wow. So I used to train over there. Muay Thai is the shit. That's the shit. And then I I got my, my oldest son started training there. And then uh, I then I did jujitsu, so I, I went and joined Tenth uh, Planet Jujitsu with Eddie Bravo, and trained there for a number of years and uh, learned more of the ground game, and so that kind of balanced out. Yeah, some you're of super well rounded. Yeah, but I haven't trained or fought in years. So and you didn't I, pass it down to your kids or a little bit. I tried, man. I really. My oldest, like I said, he took some Muay Thai when we were up there, but when he came to Orange County, he got involved in other things and. My youngest, I think, would have been an amazing wrestler. Uh-huh. So a few years ago, I found a local wrestling group down here. I took him twice. Uh, took him once, and then the second time, the instructor said, please don't bring him back. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> they wouldn't listen. They were disrupting the whole class. Oh. It's like they were goofing off and whatever, and he's like, gotcha. please don't bring him back until oh, they're serious about doing this. So, classic. Uh, Oh man, he's just built in his tenacity. Being the youngest kid that's been picking, you know, beating mm-hmm, up his older mm-hmm. brothers. My his third whole kid's life. a beast. Yeah, I think he would be Jeez. an amazing wrestler. And I was like, try to get him into it for years in jujitsu and everything else. And he's like, yeah. nah, I'm not interested. Yeah, my third girl, man, she's gonna be an amazing wrestler or an amazing criminal because she is just a freaking tank. Man, she is a boss. You don't have to worry about her. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah, dude. Um, yes, most definitely. By far. Like, party animal. She's only five. And she's <laughs> just uh, five going on 15. Like, doesn't ask for help with anything. Like, pulling two-gallon milk out of the fridge that's, you know, probably would be like a 60-pound dumbbell for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> she's there, like, stressing her back. And I'm like, hey, like, let me get that. Like, what are you doing? I can help. You nope, know, you know, you're, yeah, you know you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah, I got it, Daddy. I'm like, wow, all right. Let's, let's work some of those muscles. Then. <laughs> but it's amazing. Like, even within our families, you know, we have three boys. Me and my wife have been married. We're going on 25 years this year. You know, Boom shakalaka! Three kids, same household, same parents, three very different personalities. Oh, I love that. Yep, yep, yep. You know, and it's like that's why they're so special. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Each one has a you know very different perspective on life and different way of dressing and clothes and the way they keep their hair and 
everything else. So it's really kind of unique seeing that dynamic growing up and some relate it to, you know, the firstborn child is like this and the middle kids like this and the youngest ones like that. And some of it's true, but there's no stereotype that fits all of it across the board, but well said, you know, to the subject of sports, I think every parent should encourage their kid to get in some sport, no matter what it is. And then if you want to use that, I mean, it, it can be used as a tool to get your kid into colleges, you know, and True. help pay for college. Yeah. But if you're going to go for football or basketball or baseball, it's super, super competitive. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not even you know, thinking in that far ahead for my... If you really want... I don't even know if my son will play in high school, you know. Go for an obscure sport where it's not as competitive. and Lawn bowling, bocce ball. Water polo. Water, oh, he's a great swimmer. Rowing, crew. Surfing. Fencing. You know, I've heard of people getting their kids into fencing. They still have fencing? Yeah. My mom used to fence back in the day. There's even uh, one of the... One of the ladies who's on the board with us at Lark's, her and her husband did uh, curling. What? There's an ice rink at the Great Park in Irvine. Yeah, man. There's yeah. an adult league for curling. Wow. I mean, so there's there's a lot of stuff out there that you can try. That way off the beaten path, and you never know till you try it. Curling is a trip, man. The broomers, the friction yeah. people are like, what the hell? Whoever thought of that, dude, that person had to be... Like out there, well, look at to cor- invent curling. How about cornhole, <laughs> yeah, it's now that on guy ESPN drunk. Too. Yeah. I mean, it's this board. That's all not over that hard, right? It's like, I'm going to cut a hole, I'm going to fill a beanbag, I'm going to throw it in the hole. Like, yeah, how was that not thought of 200 years ago? We had darts. Remember, growing up, you had yeah, darts. Darts. You, know, you Heck throw yeah. darts. Uh, we had lawn darts. Lawn. You remember those lawn darts? Uh uh-uh. uh Oh, wait. Yeah, like, I'm a bit older than you. What's a lawn dart? So a lawn dart was. Basically, a metal spike with fins on the back, and you would throw it up in the air, and it would come land in a circle. Oh hell yeah! Now we're talking, and it would really hurt someone if it hit them. If it hit them, <laughs> oh, let's go! I want to play some lawn darts. Kind of reminds me of the um, Adam Sandler movie. Remember, uh, was it uh, what's the one when he gets together with all of his buddies? Um, you got Adam Sandler, Billy Madison. No, 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 the. Where the family goes to the lake with Chris Rock and Kevin. Oh, that's one of his newer ones. I forget. Um, They play it there. So they do one where they take a bow and arrow and they shoot an arrow in the air. (laughs) And they all try to run, you know. (laughs) That's so good. Same kind of thing. That's so good. Oh, man. It's like they used to make toys so much more dangerous than they are now. Like back in the day, you used to have cap or like, you know, guns that shoot rubber bullets and these rubber bullets would freaking like take an eye out but the know? tonka trucks when we were growing up oh, were like super iron. heavy metal <laughs> it weighed like 10 pounds these yeah. things if you hit somebody with it you'd knock them out easily <laughs> but they lasted forever forever dude that's a tonka up there from like yeah. 1968 i think i don't know yeah yep. avid they were great well, Mr. J, is there anything else you'd like to add before I... I will wrap it up with a top 10 list of yeah, favorite sports movies. Okay, okay. Wait, tell me, is Major League on there? No, it is not. <sighs> okay, all right, it's all right. My top 10, and not in any particular order. Number one, Miracle. Oh, hockey movie, Canadian, or the U.S. team. Kurt yeah. Russell. Yeah, US okay. U.S. Olympics, yeah. Nice, okay, right. I like that. Disney, I think. Yeah, I think they may have done that, yeah. yeah. 
before they got woke. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not, dude. They kicked that CEO. The old Eisner's back, right? Or I, what is it? Was it Eisner? What's his name? Yeah, I forget. I don't yeah, he he. They kicked out the weird CEO yeah. and they brought back the old one, Iger. They brought back Iger. Iger. Yeah. All right, my second sports movie, Rocky. Oh, dude! Boom shaka. All of them, one through five. Eye of the Tiger is Eye of the Steinler. Let's go! I love Rocky Steinler. I remember in high school seeing Rocky Four with the Russian. Oh, Drago! So amazing. Did you see Creed where they brought him back? Yeah, dude, that's pretty good too. God, I love it. Love it. Every Rocky movie that has to have a training scene. That training montage (laughs) with the music. (laughs) Bro, when I visited Philadelphia, I ran up the stairs and like everybody does. You gotta do that. Yeah. (laughs) All right, two for two. Two for two. Third sports movie. Any given Sunday. Oh, got the Pacino, right? Or Ed Harris? Yeah. Okay. Al Pacino, overacting as always. Yeah. But uh, Cameron Diaz and uh, what's his name? Um, Dennis Quaid. Nice. Yeah, Dennis Quaid. Remember the, the steroids? And, uh, or no, that was the program. The program was the steroids. That was, yeah, Any given then, Sunday was. What's the actor? Uh, he played the running by the wide receiver there. He's in. He's ill now. Um Jamie Foxx. Oh. Yeah, he's like just got out of the hospital or something. Something going on with him. Number four, mm-hmm. Vision Quest. No idea what that is. Never seen. Oh, wrestling. High school wrestling. Okay. Matthew Modine plays a high school wrestler in there who's made up his mind that he's going to win at, you know, 165. So he's like practicing all day, uh, cutting weight, uh, constantly training. And then Linda Fiorentino was in there, and he played his love interest because she was like a, a boarder at the house, and she was older than him. And mm. uh, he worked nights at a hotel running room service and stuff, and he would ride his bike back and forth to work. And Gnarly. He was just so dedicated to the sport and getting it going. And then in the end, he beat like the state champion, you know, and that was the end of the movie. So that was a feel-good one. And pretty good soundtrack to that one, too. All right, wait, let me go back to Al Pacino real quick. Did you hear about him? Uh, he's Oh, yes. Fathering a child at 82. 83, yeah. 83. He's just, this is the title from uh, Radar Online exclusive. He's freaked. Al Pacino is seriously worried about raising new baby at 83 while in bad physical shape. And the girl, he, he had it with is a like 29-year-old. 29, yeah. Like, what? But he forced her to get a paternity test. Well, I mean, I guess I would, too. Right? I don't know. I wouldn't even... Yeah, how like, why would you be... How uncomfortable is that relationship now? Yo, it's... You forced... You didn't trust her enough, and you forced her to get a paternity test. Yeah. Now you have to live with her and your kid for however many years? Well, I mean, I don't think he has to live with her. I mean, I doubt... Well, I doubt... He just has to pay her. Yeah. A lot now for X money. Okay, sorry. All right, my number five movie, Friday Night Lights. Oh, boom shaka. Boom shakalaka! Enough said. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't know what that one is, that's the first one you might have to watch on this list, people. Number six, Hoosiers. Oh, basketball. Gene another Gene Ackman. Yep, yep, yep. Gosh, that's a classic. Yeah. I love it, dude. Next, Remember the Titans. Oh, Boom, that was a, someone of a newer one. Was that Jamie Foxx or Denzel? No, Denzel. Was Denzel. Denzel, yeah, Denzel. That was a great, that's Disney too, though. I want to say Disney, yeah. I might have been, yeah. Yeah, God, they make some good sports movies. I never, you know, they're like sneaker and sports movies. And then the assistant movies. coach, his daughter played that movie. She was real little, and now she grew up. She was in a couple movies, and then she married a hockey player, and she's now Hayden Panettiere. 
Okay, yeah. Is the daughter. She's of, pretty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, was it not Ed Harris? Is the guy who played the assistant coach, but it's weird. So, like, when my son played freshman football at Tesoro, they all called him Sunshine because my son has long hair and he was yeah, the quarterback. Yeah. So. That was a fun story at home, at, around the team and everything. With I love the coaches that. would call him, "Hey, sunshine." <laughs> um, my next one is not maybe you would think as a pure sports movie, but it is a sports movie, and it's one of the funniest movies ever made. Is Caddyshack? Oh, boom shakalaka! Poop in the pool. That's so one many of the best great movies. lines from that. I mean, yeah. Chevy Chase and Bill Murray, mm-hmm. Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, just. So good. Ted Knight, so the amount of talent in that movie, good. just it's insane. I, if I'm flipping channels and it's on, it's like I whatever happened this. to Billy Crystal? Like Billy he Crystal, just, he wasn't in there. Or not? I'm not. I'm sorry. Sorry, you said. Catch, now I'm thinking of Blazing Saddles because that's another one of those funny movies along those lines. It's not oh, sports related, but like yeah. I'm thinking, I haven't seen Billy Crystal because you said Chevy Chase. Like all those guys, I'm like, like Billy Crystal's one guy that I never saw like get older. I guess did he like pass away or something or no he's still around i haven't seen him remember in a he movie did those, in... um city slickers movies remember yeah but that's still like 20 30 years ago like and harry met sally that was an older one with him and yeah i feel he's been out of the game for like at least 20 years yeah i think he's just gave it up some straight stand-up stuff now and again but i think he's doing i would love movies. to do stand-up that's on my bucket list really? i actually have jokes written on my phone before i die i'm gonna do a stand-up night okay yeah it's improv here in irvine Oh, that might be too big time a, for me. Uh, if they do like a, a, yeah, like a Monday game. night, yeah, instead of Monday night, we can go down there and yeah, for sure. I'll have to go and cheer, cheer you on. Oh, yeah, please, please. All right, number nine, Raging Bull. Oh, hell yeah. De Niro at his finest. Jake LaMotta, right? Yeah. LaMotta, ooh. And Joe Pesci, Kathy Joe Pesci. He's in there. Yeah. Dude, that's, is that, that's based on a true story, I want to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, that's a freaking good one, dude. Yeah. I own that movie on DVD. I have a pretty good DVD collection. It's all stuffed away in the garage now. Kelsey says we have no room for it. But <laughs> as the kids get older and they can start watching, you know, PG thirteen R movies, I got yeah, I got. I guess one of my movies. I have a bunch of these movies. I have Hoosiers. I have Program. Or you didn't say Program. You said I have any given Sunday. I have, I have a few. Number ten for me, Jerry Maguire. Wow, who's coming with me? I love the story. Who's coming love, with there's me? There's the love story along with everything else. There's some great lines in that movie. That little boy is just the cutest little boy. Yeah, like, Jonathan Lipnicki. Is that his name? Okay, yeah. yeah. He, he, he made that movie. It wasn't for him then. And it was a breakout for Renee Zellweger. Was that her breakout role? Yeah, that, was, that really put her on the map. I mean, Tom Cruise, I mean... I don't Cuba, think, I feel Cuba was stunning. Oh, in that, that was film. huge. Yeah, he got he got nominated, or he may have won for that. Okay, um, nice. And that was all based on the life of uh, Orange County guy, the sports agent. Uh, which one, Lee Steinbrenner? Yeah, Lee Steinberg. I didn't know he's from Orange County. Yeah, he lives here in Newport. Is he still an agent? Yep. Nice. See, he's had a couple big clients the past few years. Because they just get paid on signings. Agents get paid, dude. They get paid huge. He started sports agency in the 70s. He's got a great story. So what were guys doing before that? Just Most people come into the league, do whatever. They um, would just get He was a lawyer. Check. He studied law. And his, his roommate was going to go to the NFL. And he's like, could you help represent me? 
he's like, okay. So he helped structure the contract and put the deal together. And it's like, this wasn't tough. And then got introduced to others and his career started there. And he's, he's had more number one draft picks. That's, yeah. Cause once you get a and, name, it's not that hard. To... Than anybody else in history. He specializes in like mostly quarterbacks. Wow. He's had Warren Moon and Troy Aikman, Patrick Aikman. Mahomes. Oh, damn. Yeah. So, and he's still working. How old is he? He's uh, older. Like 80s? No, no, he's not that old. Um, older than me, but not not that old. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, right on. So, I mean, where can people find you to say what up? They can find no me. No sports. Yeah, where are you going to be at the fireworks show? Are you going to be, like, holding it down I on security? I'll be at the fireworks. I will be at all the concerts in the park. Oh yeah, yeah, those are my favorites. Okay, yeah, you sent me the schedule. It looked good. Let me let me just get that real quick before yeah. we bounce. I gotta just share that schedule. I mean, I mean, I posted on my on all my podcast posts now. I always say like go to Ladera Life for further info. Yeah, but um, and I vote. Did you win? I will not know till Wednesday. Oh, okay. Hopefully. I oh, voted I, for you. I want to finish up with one last quote. Please, please. Okay, so. here. Let me uh, let me do the 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 concert, yeah, and then it. I'll let you finish the quote. And we'll play the music. Here it and is. Get I out of here. It. Okay. Here, hold on. And let me let me just give the dates for the concerts, and then you're. So we have. Oh, okay. I found it too. Summer concert 2023. These are all going down at Founders, no, uh, no, or no, no, all Town Green and Founders. I'm sorry. July yep. 4th. I'll post this on on the the website too. LaderaRanchRadio.com. We have Undercover July 4th, Founders Park. We have July 14th, 4x4, Town Green. July 21st, 90s Rock. Nice. Heck yeah. Town Green. July 28th, Electric Vinyl. The Mighty Untouchables. August 4th. Is that like Ska? Mighty Untouchables. And uh, Yachty by sure. Nature. Oh, I like that. Yacht 80s Rock. rock. Yeah. On August 11th at Founders. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Sick. All righty. All right, so I think I may have shared this with you, but came across this, and it was uh, quite interesting to me. It says, you don't become cooler with age, but you do care progressively less about being cool, which is the only true way of being cool. This is called the geezer's paradox. Geezer's paradox. Boom shakalaka. I love that, dude. I love that. that. And that is so true, right? It's like, be yourself. And that's all you ever got to do. Yeah. It's just be yourself. If people don't like you for who you are, then F them. And that's the hard part about being a kid. Yes. there's so much peer pressure. Yes. And, and that's why sports are good. It gives sports that are confidence. It gives that. that. Give them the confidence. Yeah. That they could do something well and something right. And along the way, get the acknowledgement of their teammates and their peers that they're good at something. And that, that helps build them up. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Mr. J. Rogers. It has been a pleasure. Always is. Until next time. Until next time. Yes, sir.
Boom shakalaka!